Jam-packed to the rafters. Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us here for episode 246. It is Monday, November the 8th. 2021, and we are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling as always. I'm Joe Murata. I'm joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy diddy. Are you ready to romp? Let's romp. Let's do this, we, folks. Let's just romp right away. All right, we're going to romp right away here through the world of retro wrestling. We thank you guys for being with us. We do have some good topics in store for you, we think, we hope. But before we get to any of that, we want to remind you of a few housekeeping duties. Quinn, right? We got housekeeping to do. There's some house to keep here. We got here. brooms to take out of the closet and That's start right. going away. You can go sweep yourself on over to Twitter at OVP Podcast if you want to. You can follow us there for daily posts about the old wrestling. Uh, there's no video clips normally now, but there's the compromise, the gifts, daily gifts. Anyway, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at OVP Podcast. It's a drama-free zone for the old wrestling stuff. You can also email us if you want to at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ow, vppodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, if people want to talk to you and me and over 1,200 other retro wrestling fanatics, where can they go? Over at facebook.com slash rompy. Yes, rompy. Uh, rompy, because we're ready to rompy today. That's right. Um, over at Facebook rompy, there's a uh, search bar. You can type in our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. Bing, bang, moon, tubes, gork, Hit the join group and you're in. That's it. All you're agreeing to when you join our group, folks, is one rule, one rule only, which is don't be what? Don't be a dunderhead. Don't be a dunderhead. I know. I know the rules. <laughs> you're not a dunderhead. No, well, I'm, I'm just, I, I say the rules every week, so that's, I know them. <laughs> that's good. Last week, maybe with the Royal Rankings, you were a dunderhead, but we won't get into what? that right now. What? Anyway, if you want to talk about old wrestling with a lot of other people that also like it, you can join our Facebook group. And before you, you know, get worried about that, we just ask you not to be a dunderhead. We just mean be nice. Yeah. It's don't a be, nice place. Don't be a jerk. Right. Don't be an asshole. Take it off board if you need to <laughs> yeah, have, just, a, have a serious discussion do, about Rick Rude or something. <laughs> you know, yeah, whatever exactly. it is. Like, we just ask you to be respectful of one another. You can debate. You can disagree. You can argue. You can agree about old wrestling from the WWF, the NWA stuff, ECW, even the AWA if you want to. You can do that on our Facebook group. It really is a fun time. And if you want extra OVP content, let's say you've been listening to us for a few weeks or a few years, and you like what we do, you want more of it, we do have it available. That's over at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You're going to get the 1984 canon that we do, which right now is headed in to May of 1984. It's crazy. Which is really crazy. Mm -hmm. Not only that... You're also going to get the monthly pay-per-view reviews out right now. Just released this past weekend is WrestleMania 10. Wow. And then also the biggie for next month. And I'm saying that with a lot of sarcasm. King of the Ring 94. A legend, if you will. <laughs> can't wait for that I, one. I, I'm gonna, I can't wait for all the questions about weight. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Can't wait for ah. that. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to support us for a very small donation, you can get all this extra stuff at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Quinn, yes, we are now more than halfway through our season. Mm -hmm. It's been a fun one. 
Yeah, I halfway through already. It's just yeah. whizzing by. We're whizzing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right now. Nintendo whiz. <laughs> So with that said, we have an opening segment we've been doing this season, folks, where we are talking about perhaps a wrestler, perhaps a concept or something else that was very popular, very successful, very notable in another place such as WCW and NWA territory, the South, Memphis, places like that. For example, we talked about Diamond Dallas Page, right? talked about Tony Anthony, Barry Windham, TV belts, TV belt last week. Exactly. We're talking about those things that were great. Except in the WWF. This is a segment called Anywhere But New York. I'm in a New York state of mind. Very sad. Yeah. Yes. And this one, folks, we are taking suggestions for the rest of the season. So you can do that on our Facebook group. Or if you don't have a Facebook, just shoot us an email. This one was suggested by several people. Kelly Smallwood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andrew LaSalle. It ran great. <laughs> and Mike Olson. Right. They all wanted us to talk about, Quinn, Jim Cornette. You're living in a, in a very dirty air environment there in the New York metropolitan area. Now, if, <laughs> if you're new to OVP. <laughs> please, oh, I can't wait for this segment. Please, please keep listening when Quinn starts talking about yeah. this because Michael Quinn over here does not like Jim Cornette in the WWF. Yes. He's fine elsewhere, but not here. And I think that's why he was voted in. So I was trying to think, because I like Cornette in general, I was trying to think, why would this get voted in, right? Why would people ask for this? Well, and, apparently other people <laughs> agree with me on right. this. So let's roll it back to why. In the early 80s, lifelong wrestling fan, Jim Cornette, right, who had such a passion for the business, he would do anything. We know the story, right? He was a photographer. Anything he could do to get his foot in the door, Right. right? In the he early- his connections with his mother, right? <laughs> and kayfabe, yeah. yes. And, <laughs> and in the early 80s, he debuts in Memphis as James E. Cornette. And his whole gimmick, and he carried this on for a long time, not really into the WWF, though, is that he was a spoiled rich kid, mama's boy, right? And he wore a captain's hat for a while. Mm-hmm. He always had a tennis racket. Steve-O, I have sat back here and listened to about as much of your commentary as I can take. Ever since you've been on the air, I decided to quit breathing it. I am sick and tired of you mouthing off, you know... I've told you a couple of things about Steve-O in the past. Steve-O, when he was in college, he won a gold medal in wrestling. He had it bronze. Did you know that? But what was really remarkable about Jim Cornette, not only in Memphis, but also in Mid-South, he went a lot of different places and finally settled in in Jim Crockett Promotions, right, in 85, was at such a young age, because he was in his early 20s when he broke in, he was a heat machine. Yeah, I mean, you just didn't like the guy. There's I, nothing I, I still like don't about like him. the guy. <laughs> like, he's doing a good job. He's great at it. This week on the Louisville Slugger, we're going to be talking about a stupid match made up by stupid people for a stupid reason just because they ain't worth nothing but garbage. But a motor mouth fast talker get your riled up, piss you off, and make you want to see he and his men get their asses kicked mm-hmm. in any territory, in any promotion, whether it was with Bill Watts or whether it was with Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler in Memphis, or obviously where he made his biggest name. Crockett promotion specifically became the Midnight Express manager. Right. He had a he, a meal ticket, and this is this is what I like to point out to people is that this doesn't get much better than this for Jim Cornette, and that's and that's probably admittedly by him too is the Midnight Express. Now that's not a knock because no. it's a fantastic run that they had. Right, about a five year run as the Midnight Express manager. This by is Jim in the eighties, remember, and Jim Cornette is new. The thing is, is that this goes on. It's fantastic. Yep. Um, the Midnight Express, very successful tag team, big heels, 
There's two versions of them. One with the guy with the thing around his neck. Dennis Condry. Yeah. uh, (laughs) One with WWF announcer Stan Lane. Yes, one with (laughs) WWF announcer Stan Lane. And all of them with Bobby Eaton. The best. Which he's great. Love Bobby Um, Eaton. But... Um, but a heat a heat magnet, yes, Quinn. But what I like to point out here is that this shit peaks, right? By like the end of the 80s. Yeah. This is basically over. This whole successful stuff. It was. And he, he left uh, WCW in 1990. He did not like Jim Hurd, the pizza man. Right. And a lot of people didn't, so it's not surprising. I've used to fantasize. I'd actually get half fucking half masked over this in the backseat of the car with the midnight. Fantasizing about when I told Jim Hurd I was quitting. Hmm. But what he did do in the meantime is open up his own promotion, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Right. That was in 91. That was wrestling the way you like it and the way it used to be, which was a a throwback to like eight years earlier. Yeah. So Smoky Mountain's interesting (laughs) to me because it's, um, in some ways I like it, in some ways I don't. What don't you like about it? The thing that I dislike the most is the like insistence on this like very old style thing. But then, but what I do like is that that seems to be kind of like a put on. And like most of the time, some crazy ass shit happens. It's more like Memphis. It's a it's a lot like Continental. Yeah. The um. Yeah, I don't think it's as extreme as Continental. Me. I mean, Continental's like they're in a league of their own, if you ask me. But but it's a uh, it's pretty good. What I've seen of it, I really like Smoky Mountain. It's very Jim Cornette, and I always found it very funny to me that this is ninety one to ninety five that Smoky Mountain is operating. Right. And all he's doing is really only throwing it back to the mid '80s in terms of presentation and the way everything's booked. Yeah, it's like you know, f- five plus yeah. years behind or something. It's really weird. It's like how the Big Lebowski took place in '91 when it came out in like '98. <laughs> yeah, it's like such a weird like what? <laughs> it's just only a few years earlier, yeah. right? Man, come on! I had a rough night, and I hate the fucking Eagles, man. So there you have it, folks. Smoky Mountain is the big Lebowski of wrestling territories. Exactly. And the dude abides. And that dude was Jim Cornette. And he kind of tried to reignite the heat of the Midnight Express feud with uh, the Rock and Roll Express by bringing this, in the Heavenly Bodies. Right. So to me, this is a mistake. Well, I think it's pretty good, though. I, it's good in in the Smoky Mountains of wherever <laughs> that is where they don't smoke. But um, it's fine over there. But this shit was not going to cut it in the major promotions, which this to me is where we we connect up with Jim Cornette in the World Federation. Right? So, yep. Jim Cornette, who admittedly was never, never desired to work there. I want to give him credit there and, and at least get his point of view. This is not a place he wanted to work. He's from frigging Kentucky. Yeah. Very Kentucky, right? Yeah. Very Southern. And that's not a knock. It's It's not. Trust me. But he didn't, he didn't like New York. He didn't want to work up there. Who the fuck wants to live in Connecticut? I'm from New Jersey, and but <laughs> I don't want to live in Connecticut. There's pluses Sorry. that he probably couldn't ignore, right? Like publicity for his guys that he wants to push. Bingo. That was how this all started, right? So the WWF reaches out to him in the summer of 93. They're interested in working with him, right? They said, why don't you come in? Why don't you bring some of your guys? You can promote Smoky Mountain. We'll promote it for you. We'll even send some guys down to Smoky Mountain, get you some you know, some yeah. names at the shows there. Cornette's like, fine. Cornette gets there. And Vince McMahon's like, hey, pal, I got an idea for you. I can even make my ass do tricks. Watch this. Why don't you be a Yokozuna's spokesperson? Yeah, Mary, like, I don't Mary. want to fucking do that, motherfucker. I'm not yeah. going to fucking do that. I don't want to work here, motherfucker. Right? Yeah. So Bobby Heenan introduces Jim Cornette on Raw, August mm-hmm. 93. This is the greatest manager in the history of the sport of wrestling. Yes. Jim Cornette, what are you doing here? 
And honestly, that's a high honor. I just want to say that. Is Bobby think- Bobby Heenan giving you the the nod? The Bobby Heenan, like the greatest manager ever. Well, Jim Cornette would agree with that. Yeah. He loved Bobby Heenan. Who doesn't like right. Bobby Heenan? Like, he's, he, he's literally the best manager ever. He looked up to Bobby Heenan. And in a lot of ways, he was similar to Bobby Heenan. He really was. Mm-hmm. He was really, really good. And with Bobby retired and Jimmy Hart gone, they did need a good heel mouthpiece. I mean, Harvey Whippleman was basically <laughs> all they had at that point, right? <laughs> the giant Gonzalez. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. Horrible Whippleman. Anyway... So Cornette's there, and he also brings in the bodies, and nobody cares, even though they have some good matches against uh, the Steiners I and mean, stuff like that. I mean, here's the thing is that, and I think we talked about this when we did the reviews of those matches, the matches are pretty good. They're good. But the crowd is like, who are these people? Like, right. the, nobody's reacting. People are going to the bathroom, right. getting popcorn. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, yeah, it's like who's this fat guy, Jimmy Del Rey or whatever? I love him for yeah, the record. I know, but it's just funny because he's just all out of shape comparatively to like the rest of the roster. Everyone's like, who right. the fuck <laughs> is this guy? So Cornette is not quite his... He's still a great talker in WWF in 93 and 4, and I do like him with Yokozuna because it adds to the ridiculous entourage, right? You have the big, huge champion, mm-hmm. Mr. Fuji just smiling and grinning about everything and waving the flag, mm-hmm. and then Cornette, of all people, as the mouthpiece. I do it's like that. It's a nice that. setup. Um, I, like I will it. say this. One thing that I don't like, that, and, I, and I've been saying this, and I'm just pointing it out and we don't have to stick on it or anything but what i like that the cornet i or i think it's funny that the cornet fans in retrospect think like that whole thing was about cornet like he's the primary manager when we keep analyzing and looking back and it's very much like miss the mr fuji show right like cornet is mr fuji's stooge yes that's like, the whole point yeah he's there to not get screwed over with the contracts you know right, what i mean exactly but you'll notice something about cornet he only manages Yokozuna for this period of time. And the reason for that is he was still running Smoky Mountain. Right. He, he didn't do house shows for them. He didn't do a lot of TV for them. He would do the promos and he would do the pay-per-views. And he kept that arrangement throughout 93, right. throughout 94, and for some of 1995. And then in 95, he began to be a commentator, uh, sometimes for them on Raw and things. And I think he's a fine commentator. He's okay. I, re- I really think he's good. I am just shocked. That is a gross misuse of a telephone instrument. I- Alexander Graham Bell is spinning in his grave. Now, wait a minute. I should make sure that your telephone privileges in the United States of America are revoked. Then Smoky Mountain closes at the end of 1995. Right. And this is the era of Jim Cornette where now he's a full-time WWF employee. Mm-hmm. He's on the creative team, which he has a great mind for the business. He really does. I'm not going to take fine. that away from him. I do not like, whereas I'm fine with like the 93, 94 version with Yoko. Yeah. I do not like the version of Cornette that from like the fall 95 until the beginning of 97 manages the British Bulldog <sighs> as world champion title contender, right? I don't like that. Shitty manager for Vader. I'm sorry, but he is. Yeah, Vader deserved better than that. Vader was better with Paul Bearer somehow. I, I don't even know how. Paul Bearer <laughs> seems like he shouldn't fit. <laughs> right. But, like, but, but the, like the no face paint Paul Bearer where he's just angry Undertaker. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, him and Vader go together. It, it's the, really The Vader-Mankind contingent, right? It's great. So Cornette manages Owen Hart. He manages the British Bulldog. He manages Vader. And collectively, this pile of crap stable, <laughs> even though the three guys in it are good, right? Yeah. Is known as Camp Cornet. Camp Cornet. And it's just funny because honestly, it's all heart people. If also, if you yeah, look at I know. It, yeah, it's like. Now they want a six man tag? Hey, brother, this is the greatest assemblage of talent that's ever been put together in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. Let me put it this way it's a minor upgrade from the Million Dollar Corporation. 
Yes, that, I think that's a great way of putting it. It's a minor. It's it's not as bad as a million dollar corporation, but it sucks. It's still bad. And I get that they didn't have a lot of talent during this period of time. Mm-hmm. So you need the British Bulldog as a lead heel. Owen's a great heel, so I have no problem with him. But Vader seemed like minor under Jim Cornette. Yeah. Whatever they were doing, it just didn't work for some reason. I just, at this point, I was like, Jim Cornette stinks as a manager. Right. And they're like, this is what, and you have to remember too. This is like my early days of watching. So I don't have like any prehistory with Jim Cornette. This right. is what they present to me that Jim Cornette is. They, everyone just says, oh, great manager, great manager. And all I'm seeing is this horse shit on the screen. And I'm like, this stinks. Like, I don't want this guy here. I didn't like it either. Stupid pants and <laughs> stuff. Like, I don't want him. I think the thing is, I don't want to blame him entirely. I just think it was um, putting a square peg in a round hole. And I'm sure Cornette knows all about that. Oh, come on! In all seriousness, I think it was just not a good fit. And Mm -hmm. I get why he didn't want to work there. It was just kind of after Smoky Mountain Clothes. Obviously, he had a great business mind. You got to try to utilize that. The kind of sort of sad part about it is by the time we got to (laughs) that live wire, to me, this is the total breakdown of like Jim Cornette in the eyes of people who are (laughs) exclusive fans of New York. I think we get to this point where the Attitude Era is starting to come into its own right fall 96 we get to that live wire right to me this is this was like the final nail in the coffin (laughs) i never cared about jim Cornette ever again that live wire where vince russo straight up says things to him like we ain't in kentucky anymore and like we want to see cool shit basically it's like fuck you we don't care about this old who are these midnight express (laughs) like what is this right Oh, that's all I needed to hear. All of a sudden, I had an excuse. I was like, yeah, he shouldn't be here anymore. Like, he is not, he's not of this time. He's backwards or whatever. This is typical wrestling. Wrestling is it wrestling. What, what do you say down there in Kentucky or Tennessee, wherever you come from? Typical wrestling, Jim don't Cornette. Move to New this York is 1996, Jim Cornette. You hear me? People don't want to he hear this anymore. Year. Okay? What's now, the let's- temperature? I'm not concerned about, about the I'm concerned about you the don't fans. Know what I seem to be the only one here who's concerned about you the fans. Well, I think the other thing, too, it didn't help that Jim Cornette was feuding with Jose Lothario around that time. Right. In an angle that, that's like a tried and true territory thing, you know what I mean? The two managers fight and all right. that. But in Vince Russo's words, it's 1996, Jim Cornette. Yeah. Who ca- Did you care? You were watching. No, I didn't care. I didn't. I told you already. I didn't like Jose Lothario. Right. He stinks. You've always said that. I, I don't want to see him fight Jim right. Cornette, uh, who I also don't like. Right. Why? I don't want. I don't like either of these people. So Cornette. Sto- I want to watch this. <laughs> so Cornette stops becoming a full time manager uh, at the end of '96. I think by his own request, he's like, I don't want to do this. I think it was hurting his like legacy. Like Maybe. weirdly, I, I don't think it made him look good. I don't think it did, but I also just think he he would rather work behind the scenes yeah. and, and do that stuff. But I just and, and just on an aside, because I know some people might say, "Oh, Quinn, he, you know he's being heel. You don't like him." I'm trying to like convey this as much as I can, but he felt like he was from another time and he didn't belong. And I was like, "He's not. He doesn't fit this." Yeah, I just that's what I felt even back then. I didn't care about anything he did. Yeah, that was the. You know what I mean? I didn't I, hate him. Not I just gonna didn't lie. Care. I thought go to WCW. Because they're yeah. a little more old school than WWF at this point. That's, well, 96, they're not. Is they're the not. Thing. They're, they're not. He but wouldn't I'm fit saying, there yeah, either. Yeah. But one thing that he did do, well, two things. We got to mention two things. One is the NWA stable, which we've talked about. We don't need to really oh, rehash boy. that too much. Depending on who you ask, that was Cornette's idea. And Vince Russo said, fine, do it. I don't know the truth. I don't care. 
All I know is whatever they were doing, it sucked ass. It was awful. Yeah, I don't think it was designed to get over. No. But, but if it was, it sure didn't. What scares me is that I sometimes wonder if Jim Cornette really thought, oh, everyone's going to see the greatness of the National Wrestling Alliance, <laughs> and then Jeff Jarrett comes out, and then you're like, well, okay, it sucks. Great. Well, it also sucks. the new Midnight Express. Again, and shit fan like that. who didn't watch in the 80s you know i watched the tapes but i didn't watch live in the 80s so nwa that's my first exposure once again and i'm like wow this is horrible wow wrestling must have really sucked in the 80s like <laughs> for me the nwa was the thing that shane douglas made fun of in 94 exactly you know? yeah that, that's the other thing shane douglas everyone oh that's the thing where dan severin's been the champion <laughs> yeah. for 100 years or something and then he comes in and everyone's yeah. like well, why is Cornette with him can yeah. he fight why isn't he fighting ken shamrock right remember that everyone's yeah. like can they just fight yeah i don't <laughs> care about he's got seven thousand belts right. and oh, god it's so bad but see you know what the weird thing is though and I, I, this is a quick tangent I know the thing is like, well, everyone knew it wouldn't get over. So the only thing I can't fathom is why Vince McMahon, whose ever idea it was, would allow something to take up precious airtime, seriously, with the intent of it not getting over. You know I what I mean? I don't think it was that. I don't think Vince thought that. You think someone actually thought this would work? You know what I think it was? What? Okay. So there's there's two things going on here. There's Vince Russo and Jim Cornette tit for tat with each other in yeah, the locker they hate room each other. right russo claims that Cornette this has the tits yeah R- russo claims that this was some kind of like he let him because he knew it would fail thing right that's what russo so says. russo said sure go do it right but vince I, still has to okay that vince has to okay it you want to know what i think what yes. vince is thinking and the fans is, are waiting vince just looked at this as a way to shit on wcw because they were associated with the nwa and he said, Maybe. oh, if they see how shitty it is, they're not going to want to watch WCW. Right. Like, oh, you want Barry Windham? Here he is. This Look is, how fat and old he is. Yeah, this is just another <laughs> extension of Billionaire Ted. That's all Maybe. this is. It's just that. Maybe, Quinn. But one positive note that you can speak on, I know you love it here before we wrap up, is those little rants that Cornette would do towards the end of 97. Yes. So this was this was the only time I was like, okay, he's right. I like this. <laughs> I, I could have taken this forever. Is Jim Cornette just shitting all over WCW for like three minutes or whatever? And Phil Mushnick. And Phil Mushnick. And any, anybody who was just doubted the WWF, right? right? I was just like, I loved it. I fucking loved it. Because it was it was funny. Right. And it was also like, it was the only time on the show where they kind of really, really broke kayfabe. Truly, like, didn't yeah. even, it didn't exist. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Agreed. We're, I think this, uh, just lest anyone get a misconception here and start writing in angry letters... I do like Jim Cornette. I'm talking wrestling-wise, not about what he says now. I don't pay attention to what he says now. I'm just saying, historically, I like him as a manager. I think he's a tremendous manager and a great mind for the business. But ultimately, the reason I think it didn't work in New York is, A, he just never wanted to be there, and I don't blame him. And two, he just wasn't a fit for the for not his style. I, um, I'm with you there. But do you like Jim Cornette? I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I don't dislike him. I just think that his time passed after like 89. Like, I don't really see the purpose of him anymore. As an on-screen performer, is On that a, what you mean? Yeah, he should have just been some guy in the back. Like, okay. like you know how like Kevin Sullivan, after he stopped wrestling, <laughs> yeah. like was where he was just like, he, he like lived in the backstage or something. They had like a little house for him. The standby booker. Yeah, always, like, right? <laughs> it's like, to me, that's the kind of guy Jim Cornette should have been like a Kevin Sullivan type or okay. something. Can fill in on a moment's notice on anything. Right. But yeah. mainly works backstage. Yeah. I get you. Uh, so fans, let us know what you think. Why wasn't Cornette the same Jim Cornette in the WWF? I'm not blaming him. 
I'm really blaming the fact that he was just there. You know, and it was just a bad fit. Do we mm-hmm. agree on that, Quinn? Yeah. Just wasn't a good fit. It wasn't the right thing. One way or another, let us know what you think about all that. You can do that, of course, on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But when we come back, it is week number three of the worst WWF pay-per-views of all time. That's right, folks. The Royal Flush is coming up right after this. Blue moon of Kentucky, keep on shining. Shine I'm Jim Cornette. I just wonder if any of you are sick and tired as I am of people who claim to be the icon of wrestling. Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper claim to be the icon. Shawn Michaels is the icon that can still go. Bret Hart would claim to be the icon if he wasn't too busy crying about being screwed by the WWF. And I guess Randy Savage is still thinking, thinking. Well, Shawn Michaels is still the single most talented athlete in wrestling today inside the ring. But outside, he's an adolescent obnoxious jerk who takes his tights and goes home if he doesn't get his way. Bret Hart is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, but if he'd have been screwed as many times as he claims, he'd have struck oil by now. And Randy Savage is a legend, but let's face it, how many records did Frank Sinatra sell last year? But the pinnacle of this icon garbage came at last night's cage match between Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper to determine in their minds only who the real icon is. WCW had the gall to say this the greatest cage match in history when it was only the greatest in three weeks since hell in the cell. But here you've got a 46-year-old bald movie star wannabe who looks like Uncle Creepy with a good bill taking on a guy with an artificial hip that hadn't wrestled a full schedule in 10 years. It's a tribute to the massive egotism in my mind of both men, an indictment of WCW's promotional policies that this match even took place, much less be in the main event when the card was probably the best that WCW is capable of having. By the 10-minute mark, they were sucking wind so bad, the first three rows passed out of oxygen deprivation. Would have been funny if it wasn't so sad. And now, back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It's episode 246, Monday, November the 8th. How you doing there, Michael? Hi. Before we get going here, I guess we should say, right? Mm-hmm. We have the Patreon thing. We do. Now, the reason, folks, that we have this really is not to try to, like, do this full time and make a living doing this. You know, no, we don't not have at un- all. We don't have unrealistic yeah. expectations. We certainly never want anyone to feel like they were ripped off. So we have very affordable tiers, $2 and $5. That's it. And for $2, you're going to get the 1984 Canon, which we mentioned is in May of 1984 now. Some girls are going to be wanting to have some fun soon. Yeah, they, they do. Lopper, she's looming, Quinn. Yes, she is. I can't wait for that. And if you want to catch up on all of that, I mean, it goes all the way back to January of 82. We've been watching every championship wrestling in order. You watch it with us in video form or you just listen along. We have an audio-only version. What do we say, Quinn? It's like watching wrestling with your friends. Yeah, that's basically what it is. It's an hour. Right. We're just watching the show and you get to do it with us. And a lot of people seem to like that. That's only two bucks for the entire month. And then if you want to upgrade to five dollars, you're going to get the 84 Canon and the monthly pay-per-view reviews that we mentioned. And those uh, go all the way back to the first WrestleMania and out right now, the 10th WrestleMania. You can hear what we think of every pay-per-view in a review that's like, what, three, three and a half hours sometimes? Something like that. It lasts you a while. It's comprehensive. We try to give you your money's worth. So if you want to support us, we would appreciate that. If you don't want to, obviously, we understand that. That's fine. But my suggestion is there's still a lot of time left in November. Why don't you sign up? Try it for November. If you don't like it, just cancel by the 30th so it doesn't roll over. Yes. That's all you got to do. If you want to give it a shot just to hear what we're talking about, pay-per-view reviews and those things, Give it a shot, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. 
All right, Michael. It's time. This is a fan favorite segment, honestly. It's a favorite of mine as well. I believe it was AJ Freeman a couple of weeks back on the board said, hey, is it just me or do you like the Royal Flush more than the Royal Rankings? And everyone's like, yeah. Yeah, it's way better. <laughs> and the reason for that is because the stakes are so low here, folks. <laughs> because when we- <laughs> the stakes are low, the, the, the enjoyment is high for us. When the stakes are low, the shit will flow because mm-hmm. uh, we are talking about the worst WWF pay-per-views of all time. But for any newcomers... What is the Royal Rankings and Royal Flush? Well, each season before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. You do that voting on Facebook. And then we take all of your votes and we put them into two separate tanks, one for the best, one for the worst. We pull two names out each week and then we rank them. And that way, by the end of the season, what you will have is the definitive certified organic non-GMO baptizer names, USDA certified organic and healthy. Best and worst WWF pay-per-views of all time. This week, it's a flush, which means we're going to run down what's on the board now for the worst. At number one, King of the Ring 1995. Uh, It sucks. Horrible. Yeah. Number two, I feel bad for it. Disappointment factor, I think, is what leads to this being so high. WrestleMania 9. Right. Now, number three, we agreed that what are you expecting if you I don't even this? know what this like why this is on the list because I didn't even think of it right. as something that even qualified, right? <laughs> but it did, and it's no holds barred the match the movie from December of eighty nine. Right. And then number four, this was really, I think, mainly due to technical problems. Yeah, we, we gave them the benefit of the doubt here right. because it, they they tried the fact that they like did a second night, I always, to this day, give them props. Yep, and that's In Your House Beware of Dogs 1 and 2. 1 and 2, um, yes. Although the card was still very lackluster. We Be- agreed Beware on of that. card. Beware yeah. of card. Now, before we get into what makes a bad pay-per-view, you guys vote, right? And you guys are a retro group that voted. Mm-hmm. And that is why a lot of these entries so far have skewed towards older things. We have a very, uh, very big friend of the show who will rename Nameless, but he was wondering why nothing new made the list. Right. And the reason is because no one in our group fucking watches it, I yeah. think. You know what I mean? And that would include me and Quinn. It's all They're all the same pay-per-view <laughs> yeah. anyway nowadays. So, so, you, you could say, like, just call them all, like, WWE pay-per-view. 2020. It's, it's all 2021, the same shit. Yeah. Like, everything after 2003 when they're WWE. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everything kind of just melds together after a certain point. That's not good. No, it's bad. (laughs) But for those of you on the retro side of things that did the voting here, I think for a pay-per-view to be bad in the retro era in the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s, it has to really be bad. Notably bad, right? True. Versus a good pay-per-view, Quinn, which we've talked about, obviously, on the rankings, which is you get your money's worth. The main event is intriguing, exciting. You want to see who's going to win. Or maybe the card is just a barrage of nonstop action, peaks and valleys, ups and downs, ebbs and flows. You get sucked into it. The commentary is good. The environment is good, right? Mm-hmm. A bad pay-per-view has none of that. Then there's this. There's, <laughs> right? there's these shows where it's, it's hard to get through. It's hard to get through. The matches are boring. The main event stinks either on paper or in practice, right? Yeah. There's no reason to want to keep watching. Nothing about it is memorable at all. Correct. Kind of like every current WWE <laughs> right. pay-per-view. Or if it is memorable, it's for all the wrong reasons. Right. That is what makes a bad pay-per-view. So we got four on the board. We'll be pulling two more out. But before we do that, we must go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Flush. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal. The loser of this match kissing the other one's foot. Nassau Coliseum, April 86. Welcome to India! 
the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, Illinois, it's the WWF Wrestling Classic. Sunday, April 4th, from Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. And now, WrestleMania 11. Uh, and now, WrestleMania 11. That's all you need to know. I'm sorry for laughing through that. <laughs> it's always funny. It is funny. Well, it's about to get serious, Quinn, because as we usually... Okay, can we... Can we... We're trying to laugh and have fun I over know. here. In the... Hey! As we usually mention, once we hit week three is yep. when it gets really, really dicey. Some dice, yeah. <laughs> it gets heavy. <laughs> yeah, there's deuce, that's for sure. Yeah. We have the four names on the board that we run down. Two more are coming out. It's really anyone's tank right now. Anyone's crap or coin. Yeah, anyone could be the king of shit yeah. right now. So let's see what's on that throne. Why don't we all go down to the fans and find out which WWF pay-per-view drew number five. Due to the severity of Shawn Michaels' concussion, I am not allowing Shawn Michaels to compete here tonight. In your house, Great White North, which is not even its real subtitle. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it wasn't called that. It was retroactive. <laughs> October 22nd, 1995. God, this. Now, this is not, this is regarded as a terrible in your house, let yeah. alone a terrible pay-per-view. So, the early ones, to me, always have the worst shit on them. Like, other than... The first like, one's good. The first one's okay, but mainly because uh, Stephanie Wine and Todd giving away a house <laughs> the whole episode. We're good! Yeah. How do you doing? We're good! It's one thing, Quinn, to be a bad WWF pay-per-view. Uh-huh. But when you are a bad in-your-house, which is already considered sub <laughs> yeah you know oh, what i mean sub. <laughs> right so like that's an accomplishment sub floor <laughs> yeah exactly in your, in your house so, in your basement yeah so in your house four which like we said they added on a subtitle because it was so boring they didn't even bother subtitling it in 95 you know my memory maybe i'm just maybe this is like a mandela effect i don't even remember them saying stuff like in your house four like, I remember just everything was just in your house, in your have- house. <laughs> like, they would just say in your house. In your house. Yeah, in yeah your exactly. House. Like, in the very early ones until, like, the subtitle era. Yeah. Like, it was everything was just in your house. Like, they didn't even tell you that it's the fourth one. Let me tell you something. I want this shit out of my house. Yeah. Queen. Now, this was during a period of time for the WWF, October 95. Not that great. Nitro debuted September, and the WWF's 95 is not a sterling year in terms of it anything. It it's horrible. It's got Jim Cornette in it. That's just true. It also had Bill Watts during this period of time helping, helping book. <laughs> Whoops. Which, um, he did some good things, but mm-hmm. anyway, the story here is we are still in the Diesel era, which was not working, obviously. Anyone could see that. You know, Unfortunate. It, re- it really wasn't working. Unfortunate with, like, the potential, right? The potential. But there was a bright spot, I guess, for certain fans, and I was one of them. And that man's name was Shawn Michaels. Yes, Intercontinental champion. Mm-hmm. He had turned face in May of 95. It's true. He had defeated Jeff Jarrett at In Your House 2. Kind of the year of Shawn Michaels because Brett was involved with dentists and um, pirates. pirates. So he didn't really do much. <laughs> can, you, can you believe the sentence we just had to say? I can. That's the, that's <laughs> the thing. It's like, you, you say, can you believe it? Yes, I can. Okay, that's Look at true. what we're dealing with here. This is 1995 <laughs> WWF. Yeah, you're right about that. But there is some intriguing stuff. 
Uh, we got a newcomer by the name of Goldust who had had vignettes airing for a while, and everyone's like, "What the? What's the deal with this guy?" Right? You know, so very, very mysterious. And he'll be making his official pay per view debut. I very much remember this debut. Yeah, me too. And we've got a big IC title match. Dean Douglas. That's right. Dean this Douglas. Is, this is Shane. That's Dean Douglas. This is Shane Douglas, uh, but he's a professor. <laughs> he's a professor of wrestling or something. I don't. I, I don't know. He gives people grades that don't make such as like E for erudite or something. Like, thing, what the fuck the are one, you doing? I give the grade of S for slacker. The one thing he could do that I could never do, and I'm already ugh, just thinking about it, is that um the scratching, the scratching thing on the. Uh, it's it's horrible. It is, but uh, he's going to be taking on Shawn Michael now. Yeah. Shawn Michael is the Intercontinental Champion, so that's cool. Diesel's the World Champion, so let's go to the main event, right? The Diesel era stinks. We all know this. Mm-hmm. He had overcome his biggest adversity, literally, uh, at SummerSlam in King Mabel. Yes. King Mabel! Yeah, which <laughs> Doc was very excited about. King Mabel! King Mabel! So he's going to be defending against the man who turned heel on him back in August, right before SummerSlam. The British Bulldog, who was managed by whom? Jim Cornette. Yes, that's great. Camp uh, Cornette. <laughs> Is Diana Hart involved yet? Uh, yeah. I, I can't, it's all mixes together with me. We're getting there, though. Yeah. That will happen. Don't worry. My so- husband. <laughs> British Bulldog, or whatever she does. I love Brent and I love Davey. Yeah. Um, so British Bulldog is now our world title contender because we've got nobody. And and that's not, listen, I like the Bulldog. I really do. I just never really bought him as a world title Honestly, contender. Honestly, the, uh, the Savile Bar trophy only gets you so far. <laughs> that's right, Joe. So that's our hot main event, Quinn. Yeah. But let's run down the card here. Again, we, we are Great White North, which is Winnipeg, you idiot. Winnipeg, yeah. Manitoba, that hotbed of wrestling. Gotta say, 10,000 people were yeah, there. That's there, not there's bad. There's a fun fact on Wikipedia that says this is the uh, first pay-per-view since WrestleMania 6 to take place in Canada. What a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> this. Uh, a whopping 90,000 people bought this one. Whoa. It's, it's stellar. And, uh, 90,000. 90. That's bad. So let's run down the... Uh, dark- I guess they made their money back, though, right? Because what? Like, what did In Your House cost? It was like 20 bucks or something. I, th- I think it might have still been 15 during this period of time. Still not not a bad take. That's a horrible buy rate. Right. But Awful. For probably Hideous. what it costs to rent this place and film it. It couldn't have been that much. A couple of plates of poutine and the moose. They made at least a profit, I would say. I don't know if they made any profits in 95. Oh boy, Quinn. okay. But let's get to the dark match here. Bob Spark Plug Holly. That's great. He defeated Rad Radford mm-hmm. in four minutes. Now, Rad Radford, not even good enough to be on pay-per-view. Right. Not even good enough to win. Rad Radford at his side. Rad Radford. Rad Radford, man. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Then we get into the opener proper. Hunter Hearst Helmsley, somewhat newcomer. Yeah. I don't think he's, hello, I don't think he's doing that anymore. He's like <laughs> slightly after that, but before he even mattered. Yeah. <laughs> like, he really was nothing at this point. Like, let's, can we... <laughs> The myth that he was uh, born the king of kings and all this horse shit that like, oh man, Triple H was destined to be the best wrestler to ever exist. And even that he was the best wrestler to ever exist. It's none of it's real. He's like, just... Uh, <laughs> like, it, it's, it, he's fighting fucking Fatu here uh, on In Your House. The, this is... Just, he's just a very competent, okay wrestler, right? Yeah. In 95, he's like fine, but not remarkable. Nobody's... <laughs> like Dan Spivey or Nobody's something. Nobody's saying, I'm really ordering in your house for Hunter Hearst. Right. Like, right? I gotta see what he's doing. Now, Fatu is a great talent that was in his uh, Making a Difference era right now. This was what I like to call is, we don't know what to do with him after the Head Shrinkers right. time period. Like, we know that he's good. Right. He's solid, he's reliable. Right. 
but we don't know what to do. So they just say, fuck the Simone gimmick. Have him just speak English and talk about how he's from the street. Like a little bit of real life, you know, so, put into this. I like the sentiment behind it. Like I like where they're going with it. The problem is, is that it was fan friendly when they could have kind of gone with he's kind of a edgy. a edgy badass, right? My mom always told me, and I'll never forget this. She always told me, never forget who you are and never forget where you come from. It doesn't work. Like, I I get what they're doing because this is like WWF always has to have a character that is good for PR, somebody that they can send to the armories across the nation and sign autographs and shit. That's like what they were doing with Fatu. Absolutely. Yeah. And this all amounted to a pretty mediocre standard opener. Nothing special about it. No one remembers it, right? Mm -hmm. The next match I actually liked as a kid because the tag team champions, the Smoking Guns, who had won them back in September, they take on... Razor Ramon and the one, two, three kid. Mm. Now, everyone's face is here. Right. Two points, though. The kid was beginning that heel turn on Razor very slowly for this about a month. This is what this was. It, it's yes. basically the Owen and Brett thing, sort of. Yeah, like, kind of. It's kind of. They're friends. Yeah. But you know what's good is they actually had had a backstory. They've been right. associated with each other for a while. Once and, rivals, now yep. best friends yep. out of respect. Kind of like Ken and Ryu. Yeah. Anyway. The smoking guns are faces, but everyone kind of cheers the kid and Ramon because, I mean, look at the choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who would you rather cheer in this encounter? Well, because, again, the smoking guns are still at their, like... Hi! <laughs> they're not yet at the, like, when they turn heel, that's when they're good. I agree. I, I really like them. At, the, at that point, I'm like, I don't want the smoking guns to go away ever again. Right. They're a great tag team. Once they shave those mustaches, man, yeah. and cut the hair... Once they cut 20 years off their, their <laughs> yeah. age, it's great. Cut 20 and get sunny, they're good to go, yeah. man. But it's, a, it's actually a pretty fun match. I've always liked this one, so I can't really say too much bad about this. It's it's okay. And the uh, Guns win because of a Razor and Kid fuck-up. They're wasting valuable time here. Razor Ramon! That part's out it's of gonna tag the one, two, three Kid who comes in now to polish off Billy Gunn to cover. One, two, no! One, two, Moving on now. Now this, this is very memorable to me, this next match. Debut of Goldust on TV. So the day but. He's taking on Marty Jannetty, by the way, who had just returned recently. (sighs) That means he's a jobber. (laughs) He was kind of over when he first came back. I I had no hope for him, even back then. What do you remember about Goldust's debut, Quinn? So the buildup for Goldust this whole time was that, you know, I'm from Hollywood. Blah, blah, blah. I'm (laughs) whispering all the time. And no, he would like whisper and he'd be like, uh... I'm going to say this movie quote, Marty McFly, Back to the Future, 1985. <laughs> the natural. Yeah, like all that shit, right? <laughs> yes. So, But he'd always be wearing this this wig that I didn't know was a wig because I didn't know who he was. Or Same. I thought this was just his hair. Same. Like, I was just like, I didn't even think about it, right? I was like 10. I didn't know. Uh, the thing was is that it didn't even occur to me that it was wig. I right. just thought, oh, that's what, that's, okay, he's got long hair. And right. He, and he wears gold. gold and stuff, didn't right? he have like a tiny gold top hat for a while? He didn't. He looked really. I don't yes, he remember did. That top hat. Yes, oh, he so, did. No, you're right. Sometimes he, sometimes <laughs> he would wear it. Right, like a tiny top hat. So anyway, we get anyway to the, he gets to the match, and the first thing he does, cool is he, entrance by the way. He, he has this very cool entrance, and he, I remember distinctly, he's standing on the steps or whatever. Right, and then the wig comes off, and I'm like. Wait, what? Yep. Like it's a wig? He's got short hair. He's got he's he's practically bald. He's yep. just very short, crew cut, and like he. He goes right in, he kicks the shit out of Marty Jannetty, and it's lovely. Yep. Uncover! Uncover! And a victory. Face first suplex, very effective here. It's interesting to see where this character started from, because 
looking back, that, this is what made Dustin Rhodes' career. It really did. I mean, he was he was seen as a good wrestler with talent and he promise before that, but he, he needed something. He needed something where we recognize what is Dustin Rhodes. Right. Well, he's the weird guy. Yep. Like, you know, that's like what he is. And this is where he debuted. Yeah. Uh, but it's not good in terms of wrestling, but no. it is notable. Then we got a great quick five-minute one. I don't care how many negative stars this gets from anyone. I loved it. King Mabel versus Yokozuna. I don't heel, remember this heel. at all. It was a very quick little program they did. I think it's Bill Watts influence here putting mm-hmm. this one together. It's not good in the sense of, you know, wrestling, obviously. I'm actually interested to watch <laughs> this back now. It's good. Because I don't remember at all because maybe my little... 10-year-old brain was so focused on Goldust's hair right? Um, that I was I, I didn't even think about this. Well, it's quick, and it's five minutes, and it ends in a double count-up, but I have no problem with two big, fat guys just beating the fuck out mm-hmm. of each other. Mabel and Yokozuna. And again, a matchup that uh, was highly unlikely. Set up oh, for the right in. Mabel coming up. Yokozuna with a right in. Oh. in. Ah! Oh, those ropes were doing some straining, I'll tell you. This is where things get interesting. Oh, yeah, interesting. So we're supposed to have our Intercontinental title match right uh-huh. now. Shawn Michaels will be defending against Dean Douglas, right? Uh, Dean Douglas. Thank you. However, a little bit before this pay-per-view, Shawn Michaels was uh, hanging out in a club in Syracuse, you know, that real hotbed of nightlife. It's very tragic, really. Yeah, tragic. Mm-hmm. And was with Shawn Waltman and the British Bulldog. And depending on who you ask... Anywhere between one to fourteen people beat him up. I think it's more like one. But what it could be two. Can we can we at least give it that? Could like, be. Yeah. And you guys probably know the story, but they pulled him out of a car. WWF tries to spin it like they pulled the sleeping Shawn Michaels out of his car and beat him up for no reason. Meanwhile, he was probably, if anything, passed out if he Listen, wasn't. I'm conscience. not going to defend Shawn Michaels here. I don't know what happened, but I, I'm pretty sure he messed with the wrong people. Yeah, uh, like that's all. At that least re- you're admitting that's it. all that really happened. He and, messed with the wrong and, people, and, and they got to him while his friends couldn't bail him out. Like, they couldn't you know get I mean? out of a car because he was like too drunk or fucked yeah, up or like, something. Like, and Waltman couldn't do anything either. Yeah, so. just look at him. Yeah, <laughs> is he really going to stop a bunch of marines? If, if it is, like, the thing is, if it even was marines, you know. So what I'm envisioning, right, is that maybe it's like three guys, but like really maybe. one guy beat him up. <laughs> right. Like you know what I mean? Like it was so so like. Because obviously, if he's with his two other friends, like realistically, let's look at the scenario, right? One guy is not going to like come up to, especially with the British Bulldog there. True. I don't like, did One dude, no, he's not going to just, let's look at the situation so realistically. So you think he just brought a couple cronies, but it was still one guy that beat up Shawn right, Michaels? Exactly. I think, I, that, that. I think that's really what the story is because everyone likes to spin it. Oh, he got beat up by one guy. Well, yeah, he got beat up by one guy, but there was maybe some other people there. Fair enough. Yeah. One way or another, WWF makes a big fuss about this, obviously, and it's 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 sad, Quinn. I mean, he can't wrestle now. If we know one thing about Shawn Michaels, is it's that if there's a way to give up a title without losing it in the ring, he will find that way. It's a serious question. I'm what? not trying to like joke or anything. Okay. Was he was he actually like concussed or like was there some reason they were kind of like he can't we you know he's fucked up or something because it was like the night before truthfully in all seriousness i think he was legitimately injured yes okay but i don't know how seriously injured uh, i mean wrestlers work through injuries all the time he had a black eye though he had a shiner wrestlers yeah. work through that i understand though, you know yeah that's all i'm saying I, I again i think he really yes i think he actually was injured 
to what degree? I don't know. And I, it doesn't matter. Sean annually loses a belt every year <laughs> yeah. down the ring. 93, 94, 95, I just always thought this it. was considered the good one. The one that only that has a legitimate excuse because he got beat up by some guys. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I mean? So he comes out in his windbreaker. And as we know, Quinn, when he's got to give up a title, he grows the sad beard. Yeah, sad beard. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> you the, know the, I didn't shave today, beard. Yep, with the ponytail. Yeah. And um, he comes out and gives up the belt. Still suffering from the possibility of the post- Concussion syndrome, and now walking over to hand the belt to Gorilla Monsoon. Now, Dean Douglas here is in his stupid robe. Oh, right? God, he looks so dumb. <laughs> like a fucking asshole. So, to me, what always annoyed me as a Shawn Michaels fan more than anything wasn't that Shawn Michaels was losing the belt as much as that it just happens to be Dean Douglas <laughs> as the guy that lands on the, like, lucky... Yeah, like, like lucky oh, spin. The lucky spin here and gets the title for free. Right, basically. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me, him? <laughs> Dean Douglas snatches the belt away from Shawn right. Michaels. And forever, Dean Douglas is in the lineage of the Intercontinental title, just saying. De facto Intercontinental champion. However, Gorilla Monsoon has- He ain't uh, standing up for that shit. <laughs> oh, you're not going to fucking be the champion. You've got to beat somebody. So we immediately send out, for no real <laughs> logical reason in storyline, Razor Ramon. So why do you say that? Because- It doesn't make sense, Michael. No, because Razor Ramon- to me, would be the next logical intercontinental contender, no? He just lost a tag title match. What is he getting all these title shots for? No, but that was tag division. This is intercontinental division, Joe. He's knocked down This a is run. a different division. <laughs> that loss doesn't matter. It matters, Quinn. Who's he beaten recently is my point. He's Razor Ramon. He's been the intercontinental champion like a, a million times. This is true. So another case of Shawn Michaels not losing the title legitimately and Razor Ramon getting a shot at it, yeah. a la 1993, mm -hmm. Razor comes out and in one of the truly most bizarre matches, in all, in all seriousness, it's 11 minutes. Why is it so long? I don't know. Of Razor Ramon giving Shane Douglas, the man, nothing <laughs> to work with. I know. It is kind of funny because also fuck Shane Douglas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Fuck everyone. He should have never left ECW. No, he shouldn't. This have. was not the place for him. Bad place for him. Although he got an Intercontinental title out of it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I can't take that away from him. For 11 minutes, he got to be the Intercontinental <laughs> champion. And then Razor took it away from him. Yeah. Because fuck the click and fuck Shane Douglas. Just fuck everyone in this. That's right. fine with me. This, I know, left a stain on Shane Douglas for the rest of his life. Like, he never shuts up about how WWF screwed him. Would you call him Stain Douglas? <laughs> Maybe. Can I? Yeah, you can. Thanks. But anyway, bizarre match and an even more bizarre finish where Razor Ramon lands a back suplex, not from the top I remember row. this. Remember this? And that the camera even is like from the post or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Right next to the ropes. They're like parallel to the ropes. Razor's on his back, covers Douglas with his arm. Dean puts his leg over the rope. No one acknowledges it. But remember King's like, look, the leg! And Vince is like, there's no leg. And then on the replay, Vince is like, oh, there's a leg. We have a count of one. Look at the Dean's leg. It's all the way on the ring. Look. what that was but anyway razor it's called they never had any intention of dean douglas <laughs> making it past here with the intercontinental title maybe quinn and that they were never going to ever talk about it ever again and they didn't yeah they literally didn't yeah razor's just well i'm the champion again fuck yeah. it right bizarre this very is, bizarre on it ultimately i really feel they just ran into a problem because they they had advertised Shawn michaels versus dean douglas for the intercontinental title he right. got hurt right 
even as, as funny, whatever he, he he's he's hurt. He can't wrestle tonight, right? Yeah. So we got to do something. Razor's Razor, a good replacement. Razor Ramon can stand in. He's he's an established former champion. Yep. Just give him the belt. He'll hold on to it till fans for, go home. So happy. Shawn Michaels is out for like three weeks or what? He, he's not even out long, if I recall. No, right? he's back at Survivor Series. He's just right back, right? Yeah. So like none of this matters. It all just gets erased. Good point. Yeah. And then in our final match, the main event, the British Bulldog. Defeats Diesel by disqualification. Bret what? Hart winds up getting involved. Yeah, it's terrible. Let me just explain something to you, folks. This match is nearly 20 minutes, Ugh. and it is the true nail in the coffin for Diesel's title reign. Mm-hmm. Because, and I like Kevin Nash. I really do, but 20-minute main events with Davy Boy Smith, no one's there to carry anyone. Yeah. Bret Hart can go 20 with either guy. Shawn Michaels could go 20 with either guy. Yep. Razor Ramon could go 20 with either guy. But the two of them together... I agree. You can't have your champion be and unable I thought, to do this. I always thought that Diesel and British Bulldog are kind of like the same thing in a way because both of them are guys that if they're working with someone very good, yes. they can put on a good match. And I think Diesel showed more examples of that than British Bulldog ever did. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, but, it's true. Yeah. It's debatable, but yeah, that's actually a good point. Diesel yeah. worked well with a bunch of guys. Bulldog only worked good with Bret Hart, mainly. Sean, they're okay together. Yeah, I Owen, guess. Owen. Owen. Yeah. But Owen would be good with Diesel, too. Anyway, the point is, is Bret Hart's on commentary, and he remember he punches King and gets him out of there, so Bret does commentary? Of course he does. And the think, endless King feud. I think at one point, Bulldog puts the sharpshooter on horribly, and Bret's like, you know, it's a really fucking terrible sharpshooter. <laughs> yeah, of course he does. You know, like one of those. <laughs> He should learn to put it on right. I tell you, he's got it on kind of sloppy, but he still has it on. And apparently, Vince McMahon, this is the what I've always heard, was so pissed off with this match that after the show went off the air, he threw down his headset and just yelled, fucking horrible. <laughs> Seriously. Is this, he, I think this is um actually on... The Wikipedia page, weirdly, it says the Diesel vs. British Bulldog main event was very poorly received. It also angered Vince McMahon, who was doing commentary, <laughs> to the point that he reportedly threw his headset off after the match <laughs> and the pay-per-view had finished and yelled, fucking utter horrible, fucking horrible. <laughs> That's the quote on Wikipedia. That's funny that you mentioned that without even like reading that sentence. I didn't. <laughs> So anyway, that should sum up the Diesel era, right? Now, there's three dark matches that they did after the show, as they often did, to give the live crowd their money's worth. Um, we got Psycho Sid defeating Henry Godwin in 12 Don't, don't forget the O. Henry yeah, Henry O. o excuse Og. me. In 12 minutes That's they gave them? Very long. These last three matches are extremely long, Joe. They needed to pad the card, I yeah. guess. Owen and Yoka, which I like, mm-hmm. defeated Savio Vega and Face Bam Bam Bigelow. I would never <laughs> want to watch that in my whole life. <laughs> I'm glad it was dark. <laughs> and then they end the night with Bret Hart defeating Isaac Yankum for rematch <laughs> yeah, for no reason. What in 15 minutes? So it is a bad event. We'll see where it ranks. But man, that main event is. Hey, when your main event is terrible, that's never a good thing right. for a pay per view. Seriously. And then, and then you got your best wrestler of the year. Admittedly, Shawn Michaels is out. He was like for this year. You've said that already. Like I have not said that he was 19, the best wrestler. You just said it at the beginning of I this. He was not, the bright spot. I said he was this, a bright spot of this time period. He was. And say he was the best wrestler. I just mean to say, his Brett wasn't doing much of anything in this year. He's fighting pirates and dentists and yeah. feet matches and yeah. stuff. I know. Lafitte. Anyway, <laughs> if it wasn't the feet, it was Lafitte. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I see. Anyway, you want to find out how he drew number six? Yeah. Let's yeah, do it. I'd like to do that as well. Count us down, fans. 
Hi, I'm Lex Luger, and this is my family. Your favorite Quinn Survivor Series? Survivor Series? 93 style. Oh, my goodness. And no Survivor Series is good, Pat, like, (laughs) until, like, 96 or whatever. Stop. Quinn has a feud with the Survivor Series. You can find out. Hate it. Horrible. All about that in our archives on Patreon. Anyway, we did review this one, 93, so it's pretty fresh in our minds. Survivor Series 93, folks, real quick, was November 24th, Thanksgiving Eve. I will say it's in a great location, the Boston Garden. Yeah, not bad. Love the Boston Garden for wrestling. Now, the background here is uh, another thing where things got fucked up. The big draw for this one, despite it not being the main event, the thing that people actually cared about, I think, Mm -hmm. was Bret Hart, who had had an awesome feud with Jerry Lawler in 93. Very good. He was going to team up with Owen, who was already established, you know, as a mid-carder. And then Keith and Bruce Mm -hmm. were coming out of retirement. Watch out. They were going to take on Jerry Stupid Lawler and his knights. And the whole deal is like, nobody knows who these mass knights are. The mass knights. What are they going to be, right? Greg Valentine and friends. (laughs) Some other people. And you probably, some of you guys might know the story. One of them was supposed to be Terry Funk. And then he's like, my horse is sick or whatever. So (laughs) I don't blame him in Survivor Series. (laughs) Nobody ever wants to show up for this crap anyway. Every year with this. Every year there's substitutions. Every single time. This time it's King. Not here. King is not here, so let's mention that at the outset. Jerry Lawler had um, some rape accusations. You can read all about it. You can form your conclusions. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, is he's off WWF programming until March 94, right? Right. He's gone. Last minute, they got to pull in Shawn Michaels, for who was gone, by well, the they way. Were also, he was on their shit list until Jerry Lawler had legal problems. And yep. now, now, all of a sudden, now we're not mad about maybe steroids but we're not sure it didn't I mean, he's just fatty ate too much mcdonald's or something this is true like i swear that they just told him to go lose weight like i don't know I, what it was i don't think he really i don't know cool. took, took drugs i think he took he took french fries is what he took <laughs> anyway in a last ditch effort to save this angle they pretend like sean's been the one making fun of the hearts the whole time they bring in real rogers which is bruce pritchard doing a horribly exaggerated Hideous. dusty Rose. In one of the worst segments ever. Smith going in. We're going to go in and see. You know, Hayden told me she got a, She went out and bought a brand new dress. Oh, I bet she's special. looking great. You know, sometimes it's just. I feel like my life revolves around talking about 1993, Joe. I, it's. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's real. Real Rogers. Yeah, real uh, Rogers. So anyway, Sean will now be replacing Lawler, and as a result, nobody cares. It's not Shawn Michaels' fault. It's just that there's mm-hmm. no heat. Nobody cares, right? Yep. But in the actual main event, also nobody cares because Lex Luger is the top face. Which is not going well by now. It right. really isn't because no. he didn't defeat Yoko for the title. So people are like, fuck it. It's what? going so well <laughs> that on his team, they had to just basically just put the Undertaker <laughs> yeah. with them because it was like, who are these people? They have to do a kayfabe injury to Tatanka yeah. just to have a reason to get the Undertaker into this thing. Yeah. Because Undertaker, much bigger star than Tatanka. Sorry. And Lex Luger. And Lex Luger, yeah. Uh, say all, talk all the shit you want about the Undertaker. He's bigger than anybody in this match. Name value? Absolutely. So it's going to be Luger, the Steiners, and the Undertaker taking on Yokozuna's Foreign Fanatics, which was originally the Quebecers. Right. But they also wanted to get some more star power. Don't blame them. Mm -hmm. So Pierre gets a fake injury, and we bring in the heel crush, who's not proven to be bad yet. Yep. Karate crush. He's still good in November 93. Right. Jacques Rougeau. Fucking awesome. That's that's a great addition. And we watched this, and he's amazing in this he, match. He's very good. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Ludovic Borga. Mm. 
I don't know why he's there. His ankle has not crumbled yet. And, Crumbling. Uh, <laughs> world champion Yokozuna, right? Yeah, don't forget the Jim Cornette, Johnny Polo, and all and Fuji. <laughs> what what is everyone's scene. out there? So that's going to be the main event. It's one of those traditional Survivor Series who cares matches, right? Yeah. It is. Anyway, that's the story here. Let's go to the dark match, which was Billy Gunn <laughs> getting a win. Billy Gunn fact. Yep, here. getting a win against the Brooklyn Brawler, mm-hmm. and then we get the opener, the one two three kid. Good. Mm-hmm. Marty Jannetty, fine. Razor Ramon, the captain. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be Mr. Perfect. But Quinn, like you said, what happens at Survivor Series? No one shows up. Right. So there's <laughs> there's a different person. But this is a good substitution. Good Lord, this is the substitution of the year. Yeah. Randy Savage makes it back to wrestling on Thank pay-per-view. goodness, jeez. For the first time since Royal Rumble. Yeah. And he is... for like the whole year. <laughs> right. It's awful. Boston's happy to see him. It's yeah. great. And this opener's pretty good, Quinn. Yeah. They take on... IRS is the team captain. <laughs> this whole team is weird. It's like even even the storylines interpreting it as it doesn't make any sense because they're all like fighting with each other. Yeah, the heel team doesn't like each other yeah. leading up to this. So it's team captain IRS, Diesel, Rick Mortel. Hi, yeah. I'm back. Hi, hi. <laughs> and newcomer-ish Adam Bomb. And uh, everyone's like, who, what, what is this? <laughs> everyone's what the like, fuck why? is this team? And predictably the faces win. Yeah, and you know what? It's good. This is an okay match. It really isn't bad. Clean win for the faces. And in- then and then this <laughs> the next match happens and God. the whole show just really takes a dump after this. So the Hart family has a pre-match promo with Ray Combs where Stu Hart is there wearing a Detroit Pistons jacket. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stu. I just... <sighs> and how... <laughs> the Hart family in general, you they, are, they are just like a walking... like joke book I know, like you it's cannot. like you can't even like everything they do you can't help yourself like it's so easy it's because they're so earnest about it but and they're weird they're just weird and i yeah. love brett hart but I, what am i gonna say yeah his i think brett will tell you his family's weird yo fuck bruce yeah i don't like him anyway we have this pretty much promo with ray combs who has returned making his return right. since wrestlemania 8 and it's very doofus, right? And and <laughs> Brett's like, you know, Shawn Michaels has been saying this for months or whatever. And you talk about heartache by the numbers, you're going to have heartache by the numbers. You got Keith, you got the Rocket, you got Bruce, myself, and you got the big tiger outside. I tell you, they made one big mistake when they started pulling my father's tail. My father has had it up to here with Shawn Michaels and the Knights. And then Ray Combs comes out and he introduces everyone in poor fashion, makes terrible jokes. It's just a survey. No, it's the only person laughing is Vince. (laughs) (sighs) All right, the Knights come out. It's Sean and the Knights. And they're Barry Horowitz, Greg Valentine, and Jeff Gaylord, who stinks butt. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) And then Brett is fine, obviously. Owen's fine. And then Keith is great. We love Keith. Yep. Bruce is useless (laughs) useless now i think the thing that stood out to me about this match without going into the details of this match is that at a certain point Shawn michaels literally just has to like be the only person in the ring because the knights are so bad terrible they all get eliminated also yeah that's that's but but they're also just bad like at wrestling they're all old and stuff Jeff Gaylord is bad, but they have to be like jobbers. They're not allowed to wrestle like they're (laughs) good. They get like fucked up, and Shawn Michaels is basically like, he has to go this long-ass period of time where he's just sweating. (laughs) This match is 31 minutes. It's so long. It feels like four years. Yeah. Brett doesn't get to do much because it's the Owen Hart show. Right. 
So Brett's not really that involved, and you guys all know the ending. Owen accidentally knocks Brett off the apron. The ending's good. The ending's great. Uh, we get a roll-up, Owen's pinned, and then Sean just gets the fuck out of there and takes yeah. the count out, right? And then the hearts are celebrating. Owen comes out. He gets all pissed all of a sudden. Even though Brett didn't do anything wrong, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't. He didn't. Oh, if Owen's so shitty they get pinned by a roll-up, then maybe he should have problems But he's saying that he was caught off guard because he bumped into Brett on the thing. Brett crashed into the guardrail. I think that hurts more. No, I'm saying Brett was like... I know. What Owen's trying to say is that Brett wasn't looking where he was going. Because he wasn't. <laughs> maybe Owen wasn't either. He wouldn't hit his brother. Well, Owen had just got whipped not by the other fault. guy. It's not my fault, by Shawn Michaels. Anyway. Keith tries to mend fences. Bruce is like, yo, why do you all fight? I don't care. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> like, that... Oh, like Bruce is like egging it on. I know. <laughs> Fucking yeah, horrible. Get him on. Anyway, this sets the stage for something much better, but we don't find out anything else about it. The whole point of watching this match is to hear Bobby Heenan. Right. And I'd like to remind you, Bobby Heenan, that uh, directly behind you is Helen Hart and the brothers, as well as some of the sisters. And that's the smell. Good. I couldn't put Stop my friend. And the other brother's name was Bruce, right? That isn't that a stupid name? You got nine months and you come up with Bruce. Now, this is who? Carmen? Big part. This is Keith. Keith, Keith. Keith. Let me write this. You down. know, Bobby. He lifted another coat from the concession stand. That's obvious. <laughs> Excuse me, one minute. Yes. Hey, Stu, wake up! He fell asleep. He had me leave him a call. He's Ooh. gonna wake up. He's gonna come over here, Bobby. That'll take two hours. We'll be off the air. That's Bobby Heenan's hilarious, but you know what's the problem? Is what? the audience can't hear that. So yep. they're just like, they're this dead, is man. fucking horrible. There's boring chance. There's no heat. And this sinks the crowd for like the whole show. It does. Like they're they, they like the next match is fine, but they don't care. Yes. And this is one case, and this is not a knock on anyone, Quinn, where Jerry Lawler would have been a better choice than Shawn Michaels. Hell yeah. Because of the heat and because of the storyline. Shawn Michaels had nothing to work with. Nothing. He was dropped into this. Yes, like so I don't he, he had him. no existing. The more the best they could be like is, oh, they fought at the last survivor. That was a year <laughs> yeah, ago. I know. No like, one you know what I mean? Like I know. So it's not Sean's fault. He made the chicken salad of the chicken shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Seriously. So we go to the next match, which again ties into the Jim Cornette thing. Part of the cross promotion here is the Smoky Mountain Tag Champs, the Rock and Roll Express. Mm-hmm. Who have never really been on WWF TV outside of a couple of appearances right before this. Both look like they're 57 years Seriously. old. I, <laughs> uh, it's it's a feat, really, at this point. I don't understand. They're 37 or yeah, something. Like, it's insane. They look ancient. Yeah. They take on the Heavenly Bodies, who we had seen. At least we know who they are. Right. right? In a good match. I'm not going to crap on this match. I've said it in the Survivor Series review. It's good. But Boston doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. This is... A team that was known for wrestling in the South in the Rock and Roll Express, mainly in the South, right? Mm-hmm. And another team from Smoky Mountain, even more regional. More obscure. Right. Wrestling in Boston. Right. Boston! The so, crowd has no... They don't care about nope. this. They, I feel like there's no no comment right. from the crowd. They're just like, can we pee now? Yeah, basically, and they do. Uh, we do get JR and Gorilla on commentary for this one, yeah, if you it's, remember. it's deemed so unimportant <laughs> that we hand it to WWF Radio to do it on TV. It's true. Uh, and the bodies win, and they become the Smoky Mountain Tag Team Champions. I didn't even remember that <laughs> happened, and we just watched that. Now, speaking of people not showing up, in the next match, we were promoted to have four doinks. Because mm. you know how he has these magic tricks, right? There can right. be multiple doinks. He can do it. Now, this match, believe it or not, I was okay with when we were watching it, I think, because it was just stupid. It was necessary after the last two things. It was just, it was pleasant. It, yes. it, it, it served no purpose other than to be like, hey, want to have some fun for like a couple right. of minutes here? And, and I was fine with that. The problem here is Matt Bourne is gone. Right. 
Now, Matt Bourne had a turned face, but even his face doink, he still had that edge to him. And he was feuding with Bam Bam Bigelow. Bourne is gone. So when it's time for the doinks to enter, their opponents, by the way, are Bam Bam Bigelow, who's the only serious one on this team, mm-hmm. Bastion Booger, <laughs> and then the Head Shrinkers, who I love, but they're really playing up the goofiness, like right. eating bananas and turkey and shit. So here's the thing that I find so weird about this match. This match is hyped as the four doinks yes. versus, you know, these heels, right? Yep. But doink isn't even in it. At all. Not at, other than he's like on the video board at the end. And he's like, ha ha, you lose or whatever. And it's the annoying doink. Yeah. That's Ray like a Melly. Ray like a Melly. He's like, oh, 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 hey, Luna. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Bam Bam. It just doesn't yeah. sound anything like that boring. You know, hey, you, you big dummy, Bam Bam, up here. Like, he I could have like, done the voice. He sounds like when they, you know, when they do like, a Luna. Car- when they do like a cartoon series like Turtles or something and like maybe somebody's out sick, yeah. one of the voice <laughs> actors, like, it's like that. Where they have like the fill in Donatello and shit. Yeah. That's real. Yeah, it's it's absolutely real. This is real. I've always known. I'm glad you noticed yeah, that. Yeah, there, there's times. There's it, there's like oh, there's a lot people. of 80s cartoons and 90s cartoons that did that. Yep. They're like well, the the kids aren't gonna notice. Right. Like you know what I mean. But we noticed. Yeah. Anyway, the substitute doinks, of course, are Luke Doink, Butch Doink, Mabel Doink, and Mo Doink with Oscar Doink. And I'll tell you what, the crowd loves M O M. Yeah, they do. Whoop! There it is. They're fine with them. I. I can't get over how much I wrote them off my whole life. Same. And I'm going back watching. And I'm like, these crowds love these guys. Yep. Like they are like one of the most over tag teams in the, in the company. Like MSG at WrestleMania. Yeah, 10. I mean, people it's love bizarre, them. but uh, okay. They're good. Um, not good in the ring necessarily, no. but they're good. Anyway, this is a comedy match. If you don't like that, you will hate this match. Right. I had no problem with it because to be honest with you, it was necessary after the poor shit we just dealt with the previous, like, hour was yeah. was very dull really like made me feel better yeah and then the main event honestly isn't that bad which it we both exists. agreed on yeah i mean it's long but there's two high points jacques rougeau being in it right because he's incredible the whole time and the big exchange between yokozuna and the undertaker that shit was great the crowd loved it that, it woke them i up. didn't realize how much foreshadowing for the next pay-per-view we got out of that because yeah Honestly, after I watched this match, I remember thinking, I want to see Undertaker versus Yokozuna, yeah. right? It was, like, And the funniest part is like Lex Luger's supposed to be who you're really thinking about. But he's such an afterthought here. Yeah. No one cares about Luger. The Undertaker, who's like by accident in this <laughs> yeah. match, he ends up like getting the title shot. Right. American coat and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Luger does get the win, though, for his team. He pins Borga. Who cares? Yeah. Like, seriously, who cares? Yeah. Give me more Undertaker. Right. Yoko. And Yoko. And then Santa Claus comes out. <laughs> Same one that was with Brett the previous the traditional. year. Yep. And this is also Bobby Heenan's last WWF pay-per-view. It's sad. And what a way to go out. Mm-hmm. I don't buy for a minute that he wasn't good on the way out. He was fucking awesome. And if he had stayed around, he still would have been. But he really helped with that heart match. Absolutely. That match sucked. It was all fresh material, too, yeah. for him. Oh, my goodness. It was like improv comedy for a half could hour. Can you imagine three years of that with the stuff Bobby could have thought of? Would have been less corny than King. I like King. No, but well, imagine King fighting Brett, but then you got Bobby yeah, also I mean. like egging it on yep. in the corner over there. Yep. It would have been funnier. King might be corny and horny, but uh, he's no Bobby Heenan. I'll tell mm-hmm. you that much. Anyway, is it ranking time? Yes. I think it is. Number one, King of the Ring. Two, WrestleMania 9. Three, No Holds Barred match and movie. And four, In Your House, Beware of the Dogs. This is hard for me, all of this, because... <laughs> in Your House 4, I'm going to say it right now. It's worse than Beware of Dog. 100%. Absolutely. I agree with that. Now, both involve the British Bulldog. Right. 
Beware of dog. Beware of dog all over Be- this paper. Beware of dog minus one. Now, what about no holds barred? Beware of dookie. Uh, I think in your house four is is very much worse than dookie. I almost feel like no holds barred. The match to movie doesn't need to be on here. The thing is, is about it is like the match at the end. I have no problem with it's like typical boilerplate like Coliseum video eighties Coliseum video WF and it's not bad. No, it's fine. It's just it's it exists. It's, Randy Savage is in it for crying yeah. out loud, and Sherry's there. Of course, yeah. it's fine. If it's got Sherry and Savage and Hogan and Hogan, yeah, it's probably fine. Yeah, yeah. I really think Quinn. I know we we give a little leniency to in your houses here, but in your house four is worse than WrestleMania nine. It is. It just is, right? Uh huh. There's no like. It's not worse than King of the Ring ninety five though. I think that's where it lands because King of the Ring had the disappointment factor. King of the Ring ninety five is a piece of shit. I hate it. I've always hated that yeah, show. I agree with you. I think it lands right under King of the Ring. The thing with in your house is I don't know what it is. It has like weird charm. Charm, but I always feel better about it, even if it like if in your house shorter. if in your house is crappy, I'm never too upset. Right, like, you know short. I, yeah, this is a bad in your house, which is hard to do. It's bad because you know you have the Sean stuff where he's not there, and yeah. you got Diesel in a shitty match, oh. and like there's just oh. it's just not good. <laughs> Triple H, like no one cares about anything going on yeah. really. You know the best thing actually about this show is Goldust Marty Janetti because I just remember thinking, wow, I can't believe he doesn't have hair. <laughs> that, that really That's was the best a, thing. It was a big thing to me. Gold just taking the wig off. Yeah. I like putting it right above King of the right below King of the Ring. I think that's where it belongs. Okay. What a shitty main event. Yeah. Seriously. No good. No good. Alrighty. Survivor Series ninety three. Worse than Beware of Dog, I think. Really? Actually, no, let's think about this. It really does pain me that anything could be worse than a Survivor Series. <laughs> let's be honest here. Yeah, but I mean Okay, well, let's think about 93. Why did 93 get voted in? Why do you think our fans voted that well, in? Well, we didn't um, hate it. We can't be the ones influencing. I didn't hate it. We didn't hate it, but we did have some unkind words about the match that was supposed to be its big headliner, right? The it was king match. The, the, the king yeah. thing, yeah. I mean, this was no good. That's true, Quinn. This was This is really shitty. You've got a crowd that is now, in turn, gone, essentially dead. Yep. The fact that it takes fake doinks that aren't doink to wake the crowd back up for the main event is weird. There's a lot of weird shit going on here. Yeah, but the open, you know, what's funny though is the opener is really good and the, um, the main event's pretty good, but again, no one cared about the main event. Right. In your house, beware a dog though, man. Yeah, but remember in your house, beware of dog. We, we have to, let's be fair here. I'm being fair. Beware of dog. <laughs> <laughs> they, that is not their fault. And I know. the fact that they went out of their way to make it make it okay is it it, it always g- gives some brownie points to beware of dog. Just saying. And it's it's a unique situation on top of it. Sean Bulldog in the main event with a non-finish where both guys get like double teamed. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Diana Hart angle. Maybe Survivor Series 93 is just better than all of this by default. I it's not good. Just to as a quality check here. If you had to pick WrestleMania 9 or Survivor Series 93. That is tough to me. That is an extremely tough thing. I go WrestleMania 9. I actually think. So then WrestleMania <sighs> 9 is... So th- you have to put Survivor Series above WrestleMania 9? That's my quality check here. I don't know how we kept 9 as high as we did. Well, because... So here's the thing. is The, the problem with 5 and... Or, you know, whatever these bottom two are. No holds barred. And yeah. They're here because they're really not that offensive. Right. It's not that they're like better or worse. They're just, they, they shouldn't even be here. Right. They're in the, we're putting it in the like compartment where it doesn't matter. 
I like WrestleMania Nine more than Survivor Series '93. I think you know, it but comes, man, you really it comes down to preference, maybe. <laughs> Survivor Series '93. I really think they bombed out the show early on with with the heart thing. That really is a bad gig. Like with WrestleMania Nine, I mean, it's oh. a it's a bad WrestleMania. Yeah. But is anything terrible on it really, Quinn? WrestleMania, like, is it really that bad? Well, I mean, the Hogan beefcake match sucks ass. Yeah, like, you gotta... That is, that is a big middle finger right there. There is some garbage there. Well, I don't mind the ending. I'm I, The tag match is It's poor. got the giant Gonzalez Undertaker on it. It's like three minutes, though. Fine, I can, no, I can go with you that Survivor Series is worse than nine. I mean, Survivor Series is also so unimportant. Yeah. And with the King... Sucked out of it. It's like even worse. You know what it I'm somehow saying? Somehow, like, gets worse than it could have been better than WrestleMania Nine. Is what the funniest part is. That's hard to say for for a Survivor Series. You know what? No, I'm uncomfortable with this. This doesn't make. This isn't right, Quinn. This isn't right. Something tells me that we should keep it. You should. We should keep it in the non-offensive territory. <laughs> like that. It, it should be. Remember, it's not that. Like, it's not that WrestleMania Nine. It, WrestleMania Nine probably as a card is probably better than, for example, Beware of Dog. But it's it not. Is. It's not about that. It's about that WrestleMania Nine should be like fucking much better than it is because it's a WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania. The standards are higher, right? Right. So it just like falls in this horrible spot, right? The other two, No Holds Barred in Your House, Beware of Dog, they're just nothing. Like they, they, they're absolutely nothing. They, they are absolutely not offensive whatsoever. Because I think on a technical level that Survivor Series probably is a better event than WrestleMania 9, I say we put it right below 9, but above No Holds Barred. Fair. Okay. Fair enough. I think that is fair. So Because Survivor Series 93 is kind of offensive. Oh, it's not good. Yeah. It's it's crappy. That, again, it's another disappointment factor. Here's this hearts thing that you think is going to be good. And it's just, and it, well, other than the ending, yep. the whole match is hideous. It really is. Yeah. You're right. And then, again, the tag title match, the Smoky Mountain... It's fine, but nobody cares. You don't get doink mm-hmm. in the comedy match. You don't even get doink in a doink match. Right. There's four doinks with no doink. <laughs> like it's insane. And the main event, although it's like competent, it, it's not. It doesn't matter. No. There's no stakes. It's not memorable. Mm-hmm. The only good part of it is uh, Jacques Rougeau and then the Yoko Undertaker. Okay, let's do that. Then we'll wrap it up for week fine. three. Dead uh, in the, right in the middle, Survivor Series 1990. That's very apropos. I'm okay with that. So, for week number three here on the Royal Flush, and number one, still King of the Ring 95, two, In Your House, four, Great White Shit, three, <laughs> WrestleMania 9, four, Survivor Series 93, five, No Holds Bar, the match and the movie, and number six, In Your House, Beware of the Dogs. Folks, let us know what you think. Where should these rank? You can do that on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group, but Quinn, when we come back, no more WWF, no more WCW, no more Jim Cornette. We are going extreme. It's Extreme Championship Wrestling, ECW Hardcore TV. Coming up right after this. We said from the start the name of the game in the Survivor Series is elimination, and that's exactly what we did. We eliminated Tatanto, the vanishing American. But what did they do? They added The Undertaker, made their team even stronger. Then took a page out of our book. 
And thanks to the illegal foreign object implanted in Lex Luger's forearm, they've eliminated Pierre the Quebecers from the Foreign Fanatics team. But what did we do? We didn't sit back and rest. No, we've added someone to make our team even stronger. One of the strongest men, not only in wrestling, but the world. A man who can literally crush the competition. The master of the head vice. He will be this Wednesday night on the Foreign Fanatics team at Survivor Series. Crush. Yeah. And we will crush the All-Americans. All right. What you're looking at here are men of honor who will fight and watch each other's backs to the very end. The All-American team are wondering who's going to stab who in the back first. <laughs> Prepare to survive if you can, All-Americans. <laughs> this Wednesday night, All-American Survivor Series, you will be eliminated one by one. Hello, wrestling fans. It's time to shout out our friends of the show now. These are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling, kind of like OVP. Let's start with the best of Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking filthy. We're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast. We're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the NWA each week. And then for a whimsical journey led by one man, Pete Winson, Check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF, it might be WCW, it could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about booking the territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here, episode 246. Quinn, we're reviewing something. We are. This one was suggested by Michael Turner. And folks, I want to remind you guys that you can suggest something for us to review. You do that on Facebook on the group. There's a pinned post called Specific Episode Review Requests. Just drop a link there or the name of the show and the date. Uh, the only thing we ask is if you want a good chance of it being reviewed, it's got to be one hour or less. Yes. That's what we do on this show. Those are them the rules. Them the rules. So ECW Hardcore TV, Michael Turner, thank you for the suggestion. This is from June 10th, 1997, and if you want to find it on Peacock like we did, it's season five, episode 24. <laughs> this That has to go. <laughs> I, 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 what does season five mean? It does, I, I don't doesn't. know what that means. Now, what's ECW Hardcore TV? Yeah, I think that's a good question because, you know what, my association with ECW Hardcore TV is it on? Yep. That's my main question. <laughs> and that's a lot of people who felt fortunate to catch this when they did. You know what I mean? When oh, you could. Yes, I think that... <laughs> So I, I've said this to you before. I feel like that's part of the appeal is you feel like you found some weird underground yep. fighting thing that yep. like, it's like, wow, I stayed up till three in the morning and I got <laughs> to see this. Like it, it's real. Yep. It didn't air in all sorts of markets, but it aired in a lot of major markets, uh, syndication in our area. I mainly remember it on MSG very early in the morning. I don't even remember. You know, what's funny. I don't even remember what channel, yeah. like I would literally remember if it was like two or three in the morning and I was still up, which was rare back then. Right. But if I was, I'd say, Oh, let me just flip through the channels and maybe I'll land on ECW. Right. I didn't even like, if I got to ECW, I was so obsessed that I got there. I wouldn't even <laughs> look at what channel it was. <laughs> right. Like, I'm serious. I get it. And a lot of people that are maybe were a little bit older than us, like high school or college age have fond memories of watching this uh, because it really appealed to that 18 to 34 demographic. Yeah. You know why it was smart? Because it took um, wrestling fans that grew up with Hulk Hogan. Yep. Or the NWA. It, or the NWA. And it said, look, we've matured your wrestling. Now it's aged with you. Yeah. Right? It's like, you're edgy. You're cool. Right? Now now we've got wrestling that fits that. Kind of what WWF was able to accomplish on a much larger scale with the Attitude Era. 
Right. You know, but ECW did have this style first. It really appealed to Gen Xers and like that yeah, kind and, of crowd. And young millennials, you know, older millennials, older I guess. Older millennials, you know? yeah. And uh, so we were a little outside of the Target demo, but I still liked it. I mean, we were young wrestling fans right. that could, would take any wrestling we could get. And the, the thing to the younger fans was that they were hitting each other with chairs and stuff, which you'd never see it on the regular WWE. Very rare, yeah. right? And there was a lot of blood and stuff like that yeah. and, and violence. Uh, now, ECW, obviously, you guys know what that is. I'm not going to do the whole thing other than to say it started as a territory of the NWA, one of the few remaining ones in the early mm-hmm. 90s. And in 1994, very famously, Shane Douglas won a tournament to crown the new NWA champion. He then grabbed the mic, cut a promo about how the promotion's been dead for seven years. NWA, not ECW. Yes, yeah. NWA. And threw down the belt. And right after, we rename ECW Eastern Championship Wrestling to Extreme Championship Wrestling. And this is where that really kicks into high gear. And they had several very good years, and 1997 was still one of them. Yeah, from 94 to... 98. I mean, 90, 98, yeah, that's that's basically it. That's their sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, they still kicked around, obviously, in 99 and 2000, and Paul Heyman had to fold the promotion in early 2001, went to work for Vince McMahon, and the rest is history. But Hardcore TV was their first and their syndicated signature show. Mm-hmm. They were and late, it lasted till the end. Till the very end. Uh, they were later on TNN, had a kind of contentious relationship with them. Their cable days. Yep, in their cable days. But Hardcore TV was where it was at, man. Licensed music, none of which we'll get to hear. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it was, it really did feel like an underground, poorly edited, anything could happen. What is this? It. Sometimes I, I still, I look back at this show about the edited part. And I and I t- I really do wonder if it's intentional. It like might it, be. it's supposed to look like, you know, we just cobbled this together. You know, we just got this footage. Right. It's like th- this. Everything that whenever they present something, it, they make it sound like it just happened. Yep. Even though even though it was recorded like weeks ago. Everything is very urgent. Yeah. Very very rough around the edges. And it really is a great aesthetic, a great alternative to what either of the major promotions were doing. I would do anything for a company like this nowadays. Well, like that was that was really truly like presenting itself like, you know, we we really shouldn't be showing this to you. That's right? True. You know what I mean? Like that like and this is really this this might not be okay. Often imitated, never duplicated. Right. ECW. So with that said, ECW Hardcore TV June 10th, 1997. And we open up with Joey Styles in the ring as the fans chant for the company. I could tell as soon as ECW, I knew Joe was like, oh, God. Well, I just don't like that chant, but it's okay. And apparently this is from Wrestlepalooza 97, which was on June 6th. And I always like that name because it sounds like a parody wrestling name. You know what I mean? I like it because it sounds like they're at a wrestling concert. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I love it. Which is, again, very ECW where yep. they just play the music all the time and <laughs> yeah. stuff without even paying for it. That's a good point. Uh, and this is from the ECW Arena in sunny South Philadelphia. And then we hard cut over to Lance Wright with the ECW Tag Team Champions, the Eliminators. Lance and his, like, stupid hair and goatee. What is this? Because <laughs> I remember him from that pay-per-view once. WWF? Yeah, uh, Canadian Stampede. He's or, at that. Or is something. he at that or one of the ones in the summer yeah. of 97? Yeah, yeah, he is. Perry Saturn is on crutches here. Right. And Lance Wright confirms that the internet rumors, he says this, are true. Saturn's leg is destroyed. I'm just acting all stupid, by the way. In yeah, the back. what is John Cross? He's acting like Matt Bourne or something ooh, back ooh. there. <laughs> He's like, doink. He is. <laughs> Why are you asking me? 
Saturn says he tore his ACL and his meniscus, and he crapped his tibia. I tore my ACL. I tore my meniscus. Hairline cracked my tibia. I like the post-its on the lockers, by the way, that say um, the names of the wrestlers. Did you catch that? I, I didn't, but I just like the background in general. Yeah, very it's gritty. All grungy. Yep. God, I... <clears throat> I know. Why? It, it's like they thought up every detail, right? It's like, <laughs> this has to look like total fucking shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we, it cannot be thought that we're in Paul's basement or like... Or that maybe the arena is a little bit better than it actually is. I don't know if they had to try hard, though, Quinn. I don't to think make they had to like try shit. hard, but I, I also think they embellished on how crappy it was. Like, there's no way, like, that the the city wouldn't shut down like this. <laughs> like, they, 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 the way they present the building to me is if it's, like, rat infested and, like... I think it is. It, I think this is all real. Maybe it's a shithole. What there's there's got to be like a health. To, there's a lot of people going here. You don't think somebody came in and said, you know, hey, something's not right at this place. Slip the guy a few bucks. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Saturn says we're still the best tag team champions in the world. And then we cut to Joey Styles in front of Paul Heyman's washing machine, covered by a banner. <laughs> it's real. And he's with Rick Rude, who is dressed like he's going fucking yachting or I something. I can't believe they got Rick Rude, Lloyd's of London millionaire himself, to show up to Paul's house <laughs> to do commentary. Yeah, really, <laughs> That's right? Really weird. Anyway, Rude says the Dudleys have earned a title shot, but it's not happening. No shit. <laughs> yeah, we just saw it. They told us. The Dudleys earned a title shot, but I think that's one match we may never see. Then we now throw to Joel Gertner, who, who I think is hilarious, in Dudleyville. No. Is that Dudleyville no, or across kidding. the street? It's across I, the street. I don't know what it is. And he's with Bubba, Devon, and Big Dick Dudley. Gertner and his fucking chest hair talk about pelvic thrusts or something. Joey... I've got no styles is going to do the pelvic thrust. He looks like a dirty fuck. <laughs> like his neck brace looks like used. Like, like, <laughs> like he got it. It was somebody else's. Yes. Yeah, second second hand, neck. <laughs> second hand neck brace that he made it look better with a bow tie stapled to it. Stole from somebody. Yeah. Anyway, Joel Gardner says that a few, he's only a few miles, one short cab ride or one minor carjacking incident away from the ECW arena. He then calls Big Dick humongously phallic. As Big Dick m literally makes fart noises. I'm not kidding. He, he just goes, <laughs> like, in the back. Like, it's very stupid. And then Gertner yells out off screen to somebody, put that rock down, Hugo. Who? Who? Put that rock down, Hugo. So Devon testifies now about how Saturn risks life and limb and salvation. And Bubba and Devon now chant total elimination a couple of times before Bubba says that Saturn is about as useless in a one -legged, as a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. Come to think of it, that's exactly what you are. Well, it's not wrong. He's right. The Dudleys were awesome, by the way, in ECW. They, they were. truly are a great team. No, this is, this is their time. 95, 90, no, 96, right? Around they 96, get even 90. better in, like, 98. They become, oh my like... God. They're, they're, like... There's people, like, wanting to, like, fight them. Yeah. Like, in the crowd. We've seen that. Yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 it's some serious good heel work. Well, Bubba's a real asshole, and again, they say, you know, the best characters are extensions of your real life. It's always weird to me that they literally dumbed down Bubba in WWF. Like, I'm talking they actually, like, took his intelligence away from his character, which I thought was odd. They did do a couple of weird things with him. I, I never, I thought that was weird because he was the talker. And now they made him like, ooh, ooh, I can't talk. Yeah. Like, what? How? Where did that come from? They retconned that eventually, though. Yeah. And he became normal again. Yeah. But anyway, Bubba says ass again and ends this promo with, Big Dick, go steal us a Buick. <laughs> and Gertner then just sends us away like a big asshole. Incredible. I love it. 
Hard cutting out a raven entering the arena for the final battle against Tommy Dreamer. We hear music, but it's probably not his because Peacock. I'm sure, yes. This will be the final battle between Raven and Tommy Dreamer. Uh, Raven is with Chastity, who is dressed a lot like Lori Fullington here. Is she... Um, Sandman's wife. No. I, I, I can't tell. It's chastity. Okay, she's different. Yes, but he wasn't with her that long. Okay, she was like a fill-in mm-hmm. valet. Anyway, I like that this feud has been going on for two and a half years, and even Joey mentions it. Like this feud since Raven came in, which was January yeah, '95. All the vignettes of Raven, his like literally his debut vignettes were like, "I hate you, Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. You stole my girlfriend at at camp or something." Yeah, because remember Beulah went to fat camp or something, and yeah. <laughs> or she was fat. No, what what she, she used to be she, fat. She liked Tommy. Yes, Tommy didn't like her because he was like a football guy, but she, she was, was fat. And then she went to fat camp. Yeah, <laughs> and then came back and she's hot. And then, Tommy- and then, meanwhile, Raven also had issues with Tommy because, again, he was rejected by the football man. Yep. And then Tommy, because if you don't know, folks, Tommy, when he first came in, had like a really like, hi, yeah. gimmick where the suspenders, suspenders no go goofy. And so, like, everyone goes through, what I love about this angle is everyone goes through, like, a transformation. Raven, obviously, he comes in, he's kind of instantly transformed, but he's like, he goes through this, like, dark twisted like he becomes worse than he was even when yes. he started right he fucks with the salmon all this shit right yeah tommy goes from like hi to like basically he has to earn the respect of the crowd yep and, and he does he, and until there's this moment where he's dripping in blood he's looking up and everyone yells he's hardcore yep. in like one of the better moments in ecw and beulah goes from this i'm getting back at tommy from rejecting me for being with raven Till she realizes I was in love with them all along. Yep, like, it's and, good. And, and then she ends up with Tommy Dreamer. It's nice. And, and that's we're already all there at this point. So Raven's in his most yeah. dark, twisted mode. It could be. Yep. Tommy's completely. The crowd loves him, and Beulah's with Tommy. Yep, it's good stuff here. This Fantastic. is This is the climax here. We get the intro music now for the show, which is also dubbed. This dorky figure. <laughs> it's upsetting that they haven't figured out the music. Probably don't want to pay for it. And how many people watch it ECW really, on Peacock? So the thing is, it's not is worth that it. it really does make these shows. I think a lot more people would watch it on Peacock if the music was there. I don't know if the residual audience for ECW is as big as you think, Quinn. No, it probably is not. But Honestly. I, I, I love it. But yeah, no, I do too. Uh, you know, I would love if anybody could find, because I've never even found it since this happened, because I guess this footage is so clean. Where is, like, the footage with the original music? Because I'd really like to hear it. I'm sure someone taped it. Yeah. Like um, all of it somewhere nice and yeah, easy to find. It's probably somewhere. In the intro, we get to see Sabu blowing a spot. Sandman getting hit with a ladder. <laughs> RVD, Dreamer, the Dudleys, Taz, the Eliminators, Beulah's boobs, Francine's boobs, and uh, a chair riot, of course. We always end with the chair riot mm-hmm. from 94. Oh, and Terry Funk all bloody. And now we cut back to the action where Dreamer is entering with Beulah. I always like that Beulah ended up with Tommy. It's like my favorite part about this whole it's thing. It's feel it's, good. It's very feel good because it... And they ended up being married in real life, too. Yeah. It's good. It's cute. Aren't they still married? I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I don't I'm know. I'm pretty sure they are. I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Rick Rude is with Joey Styles on commentary. Tommy has his ECW shirt on, of course. We get in-ring intros because this fucking matters. By the way, Raven also has Lupus with him, and I have no <laughs> idea who Lupus is. All you gotta know is his name is Lupus. It's Lupus. That, Lupus. And he's got a blow-up doll. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. He's uh, he's just typical Ravens flock people. Like, like you worse know, I, than Stevie Richards. Yeah, like it's it's true. He's like minor league Stevie Richards, <laughs> yeah. if that's possible. It's hard. I mean, is, I'm I'm wondering if Stevie Richards just hurt or something. No, he's in the BWO at this point. Oh right. Um. So yeah, Raven BWO. BWO. 
Raven, obviously, probably from the Bowery. Tommy Dreamer, probably from Yonkers. The crowd, Quinn, Chance, you sold out at Raven. Uh-oh, I, I guess Raven's going to WCW. That's what this is. Yeah, they're way ahead of it. They're yeah. way ahead of the story on this because internet. Yeah. Seriously. Internet rumors about yep. Saturn's leg. They also can tell you where <laughs> Raven's going. Exactly. Beulah gets her own intro because why not? It looks good, by the way. She's a pretty woman. Yeah. Really. Um, we get a bell to bell and a stare. We get a bell and a stare down before going to break. Okay, we're back now. Where Lupus is suddenly in the ring. Tommy just lupus. shoves up. Yeah, to Lupus. Get lupus. out of here. <laughs> Lup- lupus, is it Lupus? Lupus, is it Lupus? Uh, Raven is trying to run away through the door, by the way. Yeah. Rude me while on commentary. Calls Lupus a dweeb. I agree. I that is absolutely true. Totally. Uh, camera follows Dreamer and Raven to the back where they're brawling in front of a roll-up door amongst some fans. I love you, ECW. <laughs> I don't care. So, this shit, everyone criticizes ECW for it, right? They always say, oh, it was all just nothing and nonsense, and it, it, it stunk. Yeah. It wasn't real wrestling, whatever. Yeah. I don't remember anybody at the time saying any of that stuff. No, everyone I, that liked it liked it. I just remember that this was so cool that they were fighting in, in the crowd and stuff. Yeah, no, it was good. It was different. It wasn't dated yet. They did it a lot, though. They did it, it a lot. It does lose meaning when you do it all the time. I understand that, but in 1997, still, and it took longer for things to get worn out I back guess. then. Because <laughs> this was this is coming up many years of that being rare. True. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Uh, so Dreamer then takes Raven back to the bingo hall, nails him with a chair, a shot with Powerade by Tommy Dreamer, and then he spews some of it at Raven. It looked like fruit punch flavored. <laughs> anyway, some guy in a very large white Tommy Hilfiger shirt really likes it. <laughs> as <laughs> I noticed him. <laughs> Raven throws Dreamer into the merch table from the bleachers. Those bleachers are grungy, oh, Joe. They probably haven't been yeah. cleaned since the Ford administration. The fans chant for... ECW. They like it. They like the company. I know. That's good. I figure they would if they're there. Anyway, both guys are down from the fall, but Raven's in control. And Joey says this match was originally supposed to be August 17th at Hardcore Heaven, which is their next pay-per-view. I guess they did this because Raven's leaving. Definitely. definitely. Yeah, right? <laughs> we moved it up. Yeah. <laughs> they, they couldn't wait. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, Raven with a shitty something off of a table, but it all <laughs> falls over. Raven now brings Dreamer over to another table and sets it up. This is like, you know, for the record, an 80s PTA conference style oh, table. Oh, yeah, you know. probably 90s, too, because PTA <laughs> yeah. didn't have a good budget. <laughs> this is a very good point. Yeah. Uh, Raven suplexes the table onto Dreamer. It's a complete scene. Oh, it's scene. I, I love it. Oh, it is. Imagine being here for this, how fun it probably was. It probably was, yeah, honestly. It's like they're just fighting next to you. It doesn't even matter. To be like in your early 20s or something at one of these you probably beer, was. Gear, yeah, beer in one hand and, and yeah, watching the, you know, Raven coming right by you, throwing Tommy Dreamer through a wall. People or, are bleeding. Yeah, it's, who cares? Probably that, awesome. It's probably the greatest shit ever. Honestly. I saw it in, when Ring of Honor used to do it and I thought it was amazing. Well, yeah, Kevin Steen even ran right into you. Yeah. That clip uh, is available. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> anyway, Tommy is busted open now as Raven throws him into the table, which finally breaks the damn table. Shane Douglas, now we get a shot of him sarcastically waving a t-shirt from the upper deck. ECW is homemade in the best kind of ways. Like like the fact Shane Douglas and Francine, and I'm pretty sure Chris Candido is up there and Sonny. You can like see them later. Yes, I looked into that and they are there. They were 100% there, but they're not, they don't say anything about it. I didn't realize that Sonny was already making appearances with him in 97. Is this an appearance as much as she just went to the show with her boyfriend? Like That's what I'm wondering. Well, are they on the rest of the... Remember, this is a whole entire card. We're just yeah. getting two matches from it. I don't know. 
Oh, she might be on the card with them. You know I, what I, I mean? I thought she was still contracted at this point. Yeah, but they had a working agreement. Oh, right. The secret working agreement. Right? Yeah, big secret. Yeah. Uh, so Raven sets up another table, goes for a pile driver. Dreamer backdrops out of it. Table doesn't break, of course. Snap Mare off the table as Rick Rude says, Gimmick table, my Batuski. Gimmick table, my Batuski. So fucking weird having Rude on commentary I here. <laughs> I don't like it either. I don't think he's good here. He's not good. Yeah. Um, the crowd with a great chant. Can't see shit. <laughs> Can't see shit. I've been part of those chants so, before at so other shows I, too. I have too. Uh, Dreamer misses some bullshit on the table, but Raven moves. Shane Douglas likes it. Irish whip by Raven sends Dreamer into the guardrail. Another Irish whip reversed by Dreamer. Raven, Raven crashes in. Dreamer now crotches himself on the guardrail, drags Raven back to the ring by the hair. Rude says that railing to the nads will take the wind out of your sails. It's so like <laughs> behind the times or something. I don't know what this is. I love Rick Rude, but what is this? Nads, <laughs> jeans, shirt, <laughs> mustache. And- he looks like everyone's dad or something. He does though. Yeah, is yeah. the thing. He just seems a little behind it here. Yeah, I like him, but anyway, Irish whip by Dreamer into the guardrail. Guardrail at ringside. Facebuster to the concrete by Dreamer. Joey proudly says, "There's no pads here at ECW." arena it's probably because they can't afford them dreamer then throws raven over the guardrail again so the crowd chants for ecw chair shot by tommy well some nerd wears a shirt with a guess who character (laughs) on it i was like ew that's funny uh they head towards the back of the building again and dreamer (laughs) sends raven into a vending machine he then climbs a shitty wooden ladder dreamer does Mm -hmm. near the eagle's nest but Raven throws Tommy onto the vending machine. Dreamer then falls off. I love, Quinn, how much of an absolute shithole this place is. It's, <laughs> it, it's something they can never replicate again, too. It has to be a dumper. Nothing works. I agree with you. I don't know. How do you find places like this anymore? I don't think they exist. Well, they do. It's just that no one's running I think wrestling. building and codes are too strict these days. <laughs> Maybe. We're, and- we're looking at, like, the remnants of the 70s. That's probably what this building is, like late 60s, 70s, and it has not been updated since. There's probably some remnants of the 70s all over the floor of this place. <laughs> anyway, we see some uh, some fans up in the balcony, Quinn. Yeah, Ruth says the Philadelphia Eagles are in the balcony. The balcony, which first is just, of all. <laughs> like upstairs, maybe. It's just a place where there's in no the railing. Loft. Yeah, the loft. <laughs> what, what I will say is, wow, ECW was really popular. It, it, you could tell how popular they were if the Philadelphia Eagles were willing to show up to this dump. Like, just like that, the word had gotten out, is my point. I guess so. If that's really them, I didn't see. I don't doubt that it's them. Because like, <laughs> it, I remember at by 97, people knew what this was. They did. And it was one of those like spectacles. It's like you really gotta go down to this grungy building and check. It's unbelievable. Yeah, like you know that. I think that was <laughs> look how shitty it looks. Yeah, it's like I can't believe these guys are willing to jump off the roof. Like you know, <laughs> like I think that was. It, it seemed like an insurance liability or something. I don't know. It's a liability for everything, honestly. Yeah. Here, anyway, Raven throws Dreamer over the guardrail into the aisle. Now, chair shot by Raven. Both guys are busted open as Raven drags Dreamer back to the ring. It's time to go in. This has gone way too long <laughs> yeah, outside. It has. Uh, Raven sets up a chair, Irish whip, and a drop toe hold right onto the chair. Vintage. Yeah, I always like that spot. Raven with another chair set up now. He sets up Dreamer up top, goes for a vertical suplex. Tommy punches away, though, and Raven falls to the mat. Raven hops right back up, though, and rocket launches Dreamer onto the chair. 
cover gets two. Wow, a pinfall attempt. <laughs> it's like the first one, the it, whole match. It is, yeah. Irish whip DDT by Tommy. He grabs a crappy Tommy Dreamer sign from the guy next to Straw Hat Man, but the ref goes down in the middle of all of this. Dreamer then takes the paper off of the sign, and apparently it's a do not enter sign. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I kind of like that expose the, like, oh, no, it's not like just a like cardboard. a regular cardboard sign. Yeah, yeah, it's a metal street sign. Mm-hmm. Pile driver on the sign by Dreamer, but referee John Finnegan is down. Okay, he's back up. One, two, and Lupus breaks the count. Fucking Lupus. Fucking Lupus. Who the fuck is this? <laughs> I don't know. He's, <laughs> his name is a disease. Like, <laughs> Kevin, you're such a disease. Yeah. Beulah comes in, though, and DDT's lupus. Good. Rude likes it. You know what I know? Rude's a face, isn't he? Is he? I think I, he is. I cannot. I'll be honest with you. I can't tell. Yeah, I, have, I have no idea what he is. He's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> That's no idea what the fuck he's supposed to be. Nah, it's Batuski. Yeah. Like, what, what are you saying, bro? I don't, <laughs> he's just collecting his Lloyds of London. I don't he's not wrestling. Him. Good. Smart man. While Dreamer and Beulah are celebrating the DDT, Raven gets a low blow and a roll up on Dreamer for two. And then he goes after Beulah, and he begs for her to take him back. Hey. Hey. Can leave her alone. She's with Tommy. Dreamer now with a low blow and a roll up for two. Chastity in now, and she sprays Dreamer in the eyes with hairspray. Drop kick by Raven in the cover for two. Beulah then grabs Chastity, and they roll around. It's a total scene. It's chaos. We got the cat fight thing going on now. Yep. Rude says something that's comically censored for way too long. I I, like it. I don't even... It's probably nothing. (laughs) Yeah, probably nothing. These girls are good looking. (laughs) Beep. (laughs) Paul, make sure you censor what I'm saying right now. Styles, wouldn't it be great if... I like that we're doing the worst Rick Rude impressions ever, by the way. It's because he's bad here. <laughs> True. So we have to make the impressions as bad as he is. Fair enough. Raven breaks up the cat fight, grabs Beulah, tries to snuggle with her. Low blow by Beulah. DDT on the side by Dreamer. One, two, no. He can't get the job done. Damn, he's he never beaten Raven. He's never beaten him. Yeah. That's right. Tommy signals for another DDT, but Raven rams him right into referee John Finnegan. Dreamer gets the DDT anyway, counts his own pin, and suddenly Louis Spicoli wanders out. He DDTs Dreamer. What does he have to do with this? Fucking Red Radford. (laughs) Red Radford. (laughs) Red Radford at his side. Anyway, he wakes up Finnegan. Cover. One, two, kick out by Dreamer. Awesome. Like it. I like it. Dreamer now DDTs Spicoli. Get him the fuck out of here. (laughs) But here's Raven with another DDT on Dreamer. One, two, kick out. Everyone refuses to lose. How many many DDTs, by the way? Aren't we doing this a little much? Yeah. I mean, it's ECW. That's the only reason I'm excusing it, because... Who cares? All right, fine. Like, it's like, okay. Honestly, like, okay. Did you just watch the last ten minutes yes. where they were just like, <laughs> like fucking falling around. through stuff? <laughs> yes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Raven sets up whatever the hell, but Tommy with a Death Valley driver. Finnegan is still down. Spicoli is still down. Buell is in the corner watching. Dreamer then flips the bird to Raven, yells EC W before hitting another DDT for the win. EC- Fucking awesome. The feud is over. Straw Hat guy's happy. Everyone's happy. Well, there's one guy giving the finger. I don't know who he is, but fuck him. <laughs> like, he stinks. But, like, everyone else is, like, clapping and it's like, yeah. yay, yay. Like, finally he beat him. Yeah, the crowd likes it so much. It took, like, 17 DDTs, but he got it he done. He did. And uh, they celebrate by chanting for the company, of course. Right. And then the lights suddenly go out. What? And when they come back on, Rob Van Dam is there with a Van Daminator on Dreamer. <laughs> Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Bill Alfonso is there too. Obnoxious, of course, with the right. whistle. RVD off the ropes. Inverted atomic by Dreamer. 
And then the lights go out again. Now what? The Undertaker? <laughs> they I come don't know back. What's up. happening? They come back up and Sabu is Uh-oh, in there now. They're a tag team. We know that. This is where they're teaming up. So he throws a chair right at Dreamer's face and beats the shit out of Tommy with RVD. Raven just bails, yeah. by the way. He's just like, fuck this. I got it's nothing like, to do with this. Like I lost. Yeah. This stinks. Yeah. Like, and he just leaves. Bye. Meanwhile, Spicoli is holding Beulah back and making her watch. We get a We Want Taz chant. Nah, we, I do want Taz here. That's right. Double DDT by Dreamer. And the lights go out again? What the fuck? They come back on. <laughs> and Jerry Waller is in there? <laughs> <laughs> and now I know what this is. Yep. Fuck so, yes. This is, oh my God. This is one of the greatest ECW things. This. Yes. Ever. He's got a mic. He bitches at Tommy for wanting a war. This is wonderful. I love Quinn that it's King all out of place with his gear on. And the crap. Oh yeah. Like what a heel. This is King using his, the, the hate for him against, yeah. against, like in the right direction. Like how everyone who watches ECW probably can't stand Jerry King Lawler. Right. right? Like they, they barely like WWF to right. begin with. So Jerry Lawler of all people, <laughs> right. he, he's very much hated. Just corny, cartoony and his yep. dumb gear, like a relic. Right. Yeah. And he's there. So I think like it's Axel Rotten or somebody comes out to try to fight off Sabu. But yeah, he, what was that? <laughs> I don't know. He gets his ass kicked. Hollywood Nova gives it a shot. He gets his ass kicked too. And then King gets on the mic again and says, so this is the big time ECW, huh? Huh? The bingo hall ought to be built out of toilet paper because there's nothing in it but <laughs> This bingo hall ought to be built out of toilet paper because there's nothing in it but King is awesome. <laughs> so good, that's Joe. A, that's a great line. Yeah. Fonzie then grabs the... I like that King adapts to the ECW style. Oh, yeah. He insults them in their... Um, in their the, parlance, in, in if you will. words that they'll understand, right? Just <laughs> yes. says shit and things like that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Fonzie then grabs the mic and invites the franchise Shane Douglas down this, here. This is like one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. <laughs> this scene here. So Douglas up in the Eagle's Nest, he has a mic and he's like... Do whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> I was just laughing because he's just like, fuck this bullshit. Have fun. Yes. Like, I don't care. I'm not involved in yeah, this. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm, I, if King wants to do it, fine. I don't like Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. I ain't part of this bullshit, brother. Go ahead and pick all the asses you want. I got no part of it. So King calls this extremely crappy wrestling and then hilariously laughs at someone getting their ass kicked. It was either a fan or a fat jobber. I it was Paul it's briefly. Not Paul. Yeah. But King is like, you piece of crap. You're the biggest piece of crap. You're all crap. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> Look at that. Wait, wait. <laughs> Suddenly new Jack storms out. Yeah, with his music, by the way. Did you notice yes. that? But he quickly gets overwhelmed, unfortunately. King laughs, of course. This is madness. I love it. By the way, this goes on for... This has been going on for minutes <laughs> this now. Is like, so this long. is so very, very long. But it's good long. Yeah. Straw Hat Guy is pissed, by the, the way. rare. Straw Hat Guy is a very upstanding gentleman in the history of ECW fans. I will it. say, Straw Hat Guy has lost his, his shit, the rare. But thank goodness, Death Metal Guy, he is like still in character. Yes. He's just looking on stoically. Yep. Like, now, is it WrestleMania next to me? Yeah. Death Metal guy's good, though. I like I him. The guys next to me weren't. No. The kid, the king, kill the crap! Kill him! Kill, yeah, well, kill, kill him! Kill the crap! Kill him! That's a weird line for King to say. It is. Waller now calls out Paul E. before calling Beulah a slut several times. Whoa! Yeah, look at this! Look at this! Right here! 
Finally, Dreamer is able to attack the king, but RVD and Sabu quickly destroy him with chairs. The crowd now loudly again chants, we want Taz. You know, I love this because it really does speak to the how over Taz was to this point oh where they, they're like, he's like the Hulk Hogan. They're like, they know if Taz comes out, these guys ain't going to fuck with him. Absolutely. Right? Yep. That's how serious he was treated. Yeah. So Fonzie's blowing the whistle the whole time, which is so annoying, which is perfect, right? King has the coat off, right? And he's in his wrestling gear. Mm-hmm. He's punching the fuck out of Dreamer. Sandman is now on the scene. Yeah, and at this point, I'm like, okay, the Sandman can stop this, right? He's right. got his Singapore cane. He's yep. like one of the top guys. Yep. He's like the Stone Cold or something. Like he, he is. He can, he can handle this, right? So he gets in, but he has to pound his beer first. So as he's doing that, Sabu sweeps his leg. They took advantage of his weakness. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to get a brewski in before he beats the shit out of these people. Good point. And his cigarette. And a cigarette. Yeah. But he does have the the uh, Singapore cane, so he whacks Sabu with it, but suddenly RVD comes over and shuts Sandman up with a kick. By the way, Fonzie is holding King's crown all, like, gently. <laughs> <laughs> As RVD now hits a Van Daminator on Sandman. This whole thing is absurd. It's amazing. Holy shit, where is Taz? Good where question. is he? Good question. Fonzie is obnoxiously yelling on the mic now. Dreamer is just getting destroyed by Sabu and RVD. I'm giddy. This is insane. Love it. King grabs the mic again and asks if that's all they got, and he calls the crowd low-life scumbags before Taz has arrived. Huge pop. Taz is here. He's pissed. He's like, you want to fucking fight? <laughs> you want to like, fight, Wall? Well, yeah, it's like, bring it. <laughs> I don't fucking care. Yeah. I did find this funny, though. He does his full entrance, like, all slow with the towel on his head, like he's doing an NXT run-in the in one, 2021. The one thing I will say this is, is that? it's a little more brisk than that, but it's not. You're right. It's, like, it's too slow. But also, additionally... For some reason, he's coming in slow, but after that happens, like, almost the whole ring clears other than the heels. Well, yeah. Which is, like, weird. They bail out. Everyone rolls out. Taz gets in there. Sabu's like, I'll fucking fight you, but King and RVD get him out of there. Right, exactly. Which I like that. Okay, we go to break. We come back where Taz is in the ring. Shane Douglas from the Eagles Nest is on the mic telling him to calm down. He's like, you did your job and ran the off. Calm down there, human suplex machine. You did your job and ran the f***ers off. Taz tells him to never interrupt me when I'm talking. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> the banter, like, everything is so, it flows, it feels real. It's not, nothing at all is like WWF now where they choreograph it. Like, right. people are just talking over you. Right. So you fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you asshole, don't right. talk over me, man. Like, it's it's amazing. And then Taz with a line, he's like, just mind your P's and Q's and go fuck you little rat. Just mind your P's and Q's and go fuck little rat. Whoa. Oh God. And then they, they I don't know if we see Beulah go, oh, come on. Like, Francine. Oh, like, or Francine, yeah. sorry. Francine. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Taz now calls calls out Sabu and RVD. We go to break again. We come back with Bill Alfonso telling Taz, there's no reason for Sabu to come out there. Taz just grabs Fonzie, though. So finally, Sabu runs out, and he, like, stupidly airboxes. Yeah, what was that? I don't know. And we get a bell? This show, non-fucking-stop. This is what I mean. This is, this is like, peak ECW. It they, is. They were doing this in 94, too. Yeah. But, like, all during this period, this, this concept of... Match, some shit happens, and then it flows into the next match. It's very much what made Raw successful in the same period of time. Right. You know what I mean? 
Is this even scheduled? Does it even matter? It, 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 it doesn't matter. Let's get it on. Okay. Like, <laughs> who cares, right? <laughs> yep, you're right. That's the way ECW works. Nothing's ever scheduled in ECW. <laughs> hey, Finnegan's out there, so I guess it matters, right? Or Molecule, or it's whichever. Not Molecule. It's Wait, not, what happened to Molecule, it's not anyway? Jim Where it's is just, he? It's not him. I don't hey, know. Him and tell. Finnegan look very similar to me. Balding and overweight? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. It's, it's I can never tell the difference between the two. They're both lovable. Yeah. Anyway, big slugfest dropped all by Sabu. Springboard plancha off the rope. Some punches by Sabu. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Corner whip springboard leg drop by Sabu gets two. The announcers sell how Sabu is desperate to win this one as revenge from barely legal in April. Mm-hmm. First pay-per-view. I say. Big rights by Sabu. Corner whip is reverse. Alabama slamma out of the corner by Taz. Taz now clubs away on Sabu with forearms. Fonzie is all fucking annoying outside and Joey is acting like he used to be some respected ref which I thought was an amazing speech. I'm like, <laughs> what the f- who the fuck is he talking about? Fonzie was like the lowest tier like Harvey Whippleman class referee. Yeah, like WWF. It, yeah, yes. like he was like at that like if Harvey Whippleman's the lowest of the managers yeah. Fonzie was like the lowest ref In without WWF, question. With, without question question yeah respected not so much <laughs> anyway the red hook ringer by taz which is actually a bridging bow and arrow that actually looks good by yeah. the way can i just say that yeah the way taz rolls back like, with it you know what i did like about taz what they were like attempting with him and paul has said it on tapes it's like we were we were ahead of the curve and we noticed what ufc was yes. doing and we the whole point of taz is we wanted a character like doing moves that you would see in the UFC. Exactly. Yeah. Once they rebranded him out of the Tasmaniac bullshit, yeah. they gave him that the towel on his head, the ominous music, the big fight feel, the submission and suplex specialist. So he would, in his matches, throw this stuff in on, like, in matches that are generally hardcore matches, he would just put some, you know, fucking chokehold on someone yep. or, or like some weird submission like this yep. and they could say, oh, he knows MMA and Kanta Hajime and all this <laughs> bullshit, right? It's true, though. Yeah. Irish whip now by Taz, head down, roll over by Sabu, drop kick to the knee. Taz bails out to recover, so Sabu just casually lands an acai moonsault to the floor. Mm-hmm. He has not botched anything yet. I'm very proud of him. This is when Sabu is still very good. True. Right? 97 Sabu is still he's good. He's fine. He's, he's good. Uh, he throws Taz in, somersault over the top, and a cover gets two. Sabu sets up a chair. Springboards off the top for a springboard something or other, but he crotches himself. Ridiculous. I thought this was hilarious. Well, because the crowd chance you fucked up. I can't tell if he did or if that was. Oh, a he, pl- oh he absolutely fucked you up. You think so? Oh, he jumped on it and then he lost his balance and fell on his balls. Okay, fine. And then, <laughs> and then sold his balls to make yeah. it look. Yeah, okay, it, that makes sense. And then Taz is trying to like do some other move so you forget about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, like, Taz just comes over from behind and lands a T-bone suplex. Just right, to, yeah. Very quickly. To like, make sure. <laughs> don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Back up now. Taz goes for another suplex. Sabu fights out, though. Big swing. Northern Lights by Taz gets two. Taz goes up top, but Sabu pops right up and lands a springboard Hurricane Rana. But Taz hangs on to the ropes, so Sabu tumbles down. Taz with a senton, but it misses. Sabu's up now. Top rope leg drop. Cover gets two. This match is a mess. A good mess. Yeah, it's a hot mess, but it's a good mess. Absolutely. Sabu slides in a table now with Fonzie. Taz attacks him before it's set up, though. Irish whips, leapfrog by Sabu, waistlock by Taz, fight out by Sabu, DDT! This match is so ECW. Oh, yeah. In the ways I like, but yeah. yeah. Stereotypical ECW, man. Just spots everywhere spots. and botches, but okay, let's keep moving on. It is a Sabu match. Yeah. Uh, back to the table, Sabu sets it up and puts Taz on top of the table. 
Sabu goes upstairs. Big, weird-looking splash. Yeah, that was awkward. He, like, he like changes his direction mid-jump yeah. or something. I don't know what's going it's on. Unnecessary. <laughs> it's unnecessary. He didn't even need to do it. That's no. the funniest part. He still landed the move. It yeah. just, I don't know why he did it. It was odd. The table breaks, but both guys are down. Taz sits up right behind Sabu and locks in the Kata Hajime. Sabu flips over, though, and Taz gets pinned. What? No! It's the Kata Hajime! Sabu flips backwards! Taz's shoulders were down on the mat. Taz just hangs on to the hold, though. All of these refs that I think aren't real refs, they come out to break this up. One of the ref's pants is falling <laughs> off, just I needed to note this. It's real. It just adds to the, like, what a mess factor. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, I swear, if Billy Silverman is one of these referees, <laughs> Quinn. He probably is, like, in the back. He's like, oh, WCW might see. I'm not sure. I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> anyway, Sabu is announced the winner. So Taz puts the Kata Hajime on one of the refs. Joey says this is the first time Taz has lost since September of 1995. Hell, Taz like never they, loses. No. Yeah. That's how much they protected him. So he beats the shit out of all the referees like Ken Shamrock would later do. Right. Very similar. He's then able to get his hands on Fonzie. So he just chokes him out and we fade away and come back with Joey and Rude talking as we get some clips of what happened. This whole thing, Joe, this yeah. is so weird because, okay, they're like in a box. Yes. They're like in a box. In the washing machine room. In the washing machine room, but they're just showing us clips of people talking. Yes. But they're like quickly explaining. Rick Rude's like reading a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, real. Like trying to like understand what's going on. Joey is explaining it all fast. He's like, and then he said this <laughs> yeah. to him. And he said blah, blah, blah. And the bottom line is that there's like three minutes or yep. something. And like if Taz chokes out Shane in three minutes, then he's the ECW TV champion. And if Shane Douglas wins, then Taz has to leave for 45, 45 days. Why 45? days but okay arbitrary yeah so that's what's happening here back to the ring we get a bell with shane and taz that's right we get another match here shane douglas hammers away with forearms and elbows belt shot by douglas rude says it's very stupid of shane douglas to do this he has nothing to gain why is rude a face by I, the I don't way? know what what is rude what is like what i don't i don't know what he is i'm so confused by everything he's saying yeah i don't know i, I think he's just having fun in real life doing I this think you know Paul and friends they were like Hey, we like Rick Rude. This is so cool yeah. that he's at your house. Yeah. Like, that's what this is. Maybe. But <laughs> he's at your house. Like, how much? You, you know, part of me wonders if Joey and Paul were doing recordings for the show at his house because it was just them usually, right? right? They, they, they were eating Cheetos or something during a break. And and they were talking about, remember Rick Rude? He was so cool. And then Paul's like, I got his phone number. You want me to, he lives around the area. You want me to give him a call, see if he'll show up? And they just did. And he, and he came. I don't think Rude lived near Pennsylvania or New York or wherever the hell Paul Heyman lived. Maybe. I doubt it. I bet you Paul Heyman eats Cheetos on the toilet. <laughs> Corner whip by Douglas. Reverse head down by Taz. Swinging neck breaker by Shane. Front face lock by Douglas. DDT. We're one minute into the match. Inverted rolling neck snap by Shane. And then he does another one. Shane now with an elbow as there are 90 seconds remaining. Full Nelson by Shane, reversed by Taz. He sets up the Kata Hajime, but Shane blocks and lands a kick there below the Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. Corner whip by Taz. Shane tries to block, but Taz locks in the Kata Hajime. Oh, shit. One minute remaining. Douglas can't make the ropes. Francine is concerned. Shane desperately tries to roll out, but Taz keeps the hold on. We got 30 seconds left. He's just got to survive. That's, That's all he's got to do. All he's got to do. Shane's up to his feet. He tries to kick off the turnbuckles a la Bret Hart. But I thought that was cool, actually. It was cool, but it doesn't work. Yep. Shane taps out! He tapped the franchise! Tapped out! 
Oh, shit! We have a new ECW World Television Champion! Fuck yes! The crowd loves it. Don't you just love it? <laughs> Don't you just love ECW where the guy could lose one match and the next <laughs> match he's the new champion? Yeah, just like WWF. We fade away. Yeah, right that's off it. Of that. And that's it. Man, this was a <gasps> batshit crazy episode of ECW. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not always the biggest fan of the wrestling brawling style. I do mm-hmm. like it. It's just not my favorite thing. But this is from their very good era that I do really like. You know, mm-hmm. 94 to 97, I do really like it's that very, era. very, very good. And the stuff with King? Holy it's, shit! It's amazing. Was that a scene? Yeah. Great pick, Michael Turner. Good stuff. What an episode. That's my kind of shit. No BS wasting time. Just thing after thing after thing after thing. This flow-in style, Joe. I think that's... That's when ECW is at its finest. Agreed. And that's when you can forgive any of the uh, just horse shit going on. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter because they're not. There's no break in the action, so yeah. you don't. You can't. You don't have enough time to notice and, that, and bitch about it. That right? was a fast forty-five minutes. Right. Just a fantastic episode of wrestling television in general during ECW's best years. Highly recommended. Absolutely. Highly recommended. If you have Peacock, watch this one, folks. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen it, even, even if, without the music, it's yeah, it fine. Doesn't matter. It didn't even bother me. Yeah. At all. It usually does, but yeah. it didn't. Whew. Wow. Thank you, Michael Turner. That was a great freaking pick. Really appreciate it. And we also appreciate, folks, you guys being with us here for another week in the world of retro wrestling. A couple of quick reminders. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, if you have that. It would really mean a lot to us. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. And if you want the extra OVP content, give it a shot for November. Patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. But until next week for episode 247, I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I have compassion for Brother Perry Saturn. Blessed is he who risked life, limb, and salvation to cast the Dudley boys into total elimination. Yeah. Total elimination. Yeah. Total elimination. Put that rock down, Hugo.